0: America was born in the 18th century.
1: I, Richard Billhouse Nixon, I, young Gerald Kennedy, who solemnly swear that
0: I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and he will to the best of my ability, so help me God. My
1: fellow citizens, my fellow citizens, my fellow citizens, we will make America great again,
0: Donald James. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide
2: we unified. This is the time to heal America. Wake up in
3: the morning. <laughs> I don't feel blue. As I know, I've got you.
4: Breakfast with Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now, 13 12 69. All right, good morning and welcome to the program on this Thursday, January 21. Give us a call, let me know what's on your mind, all the news and your views. 13 12 69. If you'd like to send me an email, MP in the morning at 2sm supernetwork.com. And of course, you can always send us a text to the fortress number 0458 049209. Look, nobody does it bigger than the United States of America. And again, that's been well and truly on show overnight with President Joe Biden sworn in. Joe, of course, becomes the 46th President of the United States. We'll play a little of what the incoming presidents had to say for you in just a few moments. darling let us know what's on your mind all the news and your views here at marcus paul in the morning 13 12 69 the telephone number now being a thursday senator malcolm roberts on the program a little later this morning malcolm's had a lot to say about the federal government's industrial relations reforms so we'll hear from malcolm also on the program today the shadow minister on aging and seniors julie collins New figures released today by the Productivity Commission show just how broken our country's aged care system is under the Morrison government. Older Australians needing high-level home care are now waiting more than two years for care they have been approved for. And some are waiting almost three years. The wait for older Australians to enter residential care has blown out by more than 200 percent Under the Coalition to 148 days. So we'll speak to Julie Collins about that this morning. And just after 8.30, I want to catch up with the New South Wales Minister for Families, Communities and Disability Services, Gareth Ward. He'll have a chat with us on the situation with homelessness in New South Wales. Now, it comes, as you know, earlier in the week after we spoke to the New South Wales Council of Social Service, who said according to modelling commissioned by NCOS and other peaks which models the impact of rising unemployment by June this year when JobKeeper has ceased and if Job Seeker returns to its previous role. More than 9,000 more people in New South Wales could well become homeless. That'll be a rise of 24% in the homeless population. Some regions will see a 40.5% increase in homelessness. So what's the New South Wales government plan to do about it? Well, we'll speak to Minister for Families, Communities and Disability Services, Gareth Ward, on the program just after 8.30. But I'd love to speak to you first and foremost this morning on the open line, so let us know what's on your mind. Strict COVID restrictions implemented amid the Avalon outbreak are set to be eased next week. I see Premier Gladys Berejiklian has indicated that the COVID rules will likely return to restrictions that were in place before the December cluster was discovered. But masks are set to remain mandatory in shops and on public transport. And I'm sorry to say, until the vaccines rolled out, I think this will be the case. The Premier said as long as cases remain low and testing rates remain high, There's no reason why we can't go back as closely as possible to pre-Avalon or pre-outbreak conditions, with the exception, potentially, of masks in some high-risk settings. The Premier highlighted concerns around wedding limits, with numbers currently capped at 100 people. This will be the last weekend you'll have to go through before there'll be some relief, according to the Premier. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Capacity of venues could also be increased under the two-square-metre rule. The Premier said yesterday, generally speaking, we're keen to get as close to Avalon conditions as we can. Yesterday, no new local COVID cases were recorded in New South Wales in the 24 hours to 8pm on Tuesday, marking it the third donut day in a row. That's the third day of no community transmissions, which is good news. All right, give us a call, 13-12-69, the telephone number. Uh, I see the Victorian government was yesterday forced to shoot down suggestions that taxpayers would help foot the $40 million bill for quarantining international tennis stars in hotels. Confusion reigned yesterday after Tennis Australia Radio... Uh, sorry, Chief Executive Craig Tilly, or Tiley or whatever his name is. Apparently, said on radio, the government was absolutely chipping in funding. Well, I'm sure the taxpayers of Victoria will be absolutely thrilled by that. Anyway, the state's police minister, Lisa Neville, was quick to knock back these claims and insisted Tennis Australia would pay all of the $40 million needed. Absolutely they should. In fact, the World Tennis uh, Tennis Authority, whoever looks after tennis on a global scale, I believe they should be kicking in. I mentioned the other day the... Um, incredible amount of prize money that's on offer for all of these international tennis stars it's a lot of money obviously they make a lot of money sponsors pay a lot of money there's a lot of money involved in professional tennis taxpayers should not be propping up professional sports anyway it all come amid a standoff between officials and one player over a bloody mouse in her hotel room Yulia uh, Putinseva, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yulia Putinseva released video footage on social media of the rodent <laughs> scurrying around her room amid her repeated complaints about hygiene in her quarantine room. But Miss Neville put the existence of the mouse back on the player, saying there may have been some feeding going on. We don't send cleaners into these rooms, the police minister said. Every tennis player needs to clean their own room and change their own beds if they want that. I just encourage them to minimise the interaction with the mice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, oh, boy. I wonder, I wonder if she gave it a name. I wonder if it's a female or a male. Mickey for a male and Minnie for the female
5: The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President.
4: Well, there we go. Joe Biden has become the 46th President of the United States at a snow-dusted and unconventional Inauguration Day ceremony in which he promised to try and unite America, the divided states of America, Meanwhile, Kamala Harris made history as the first woman and first woman of color to be sworn in as vice president. Now at 78, Joe Biden, who was sworn in by Chief Justice John Roberts, is the oldest US president and also the first Catholic commander in chief since JFK. In his first address to the nation, the president called for a lowering of the national temperature and to end this uncivil war that pits red against blue, rural versus urban, conservative versus liberal. Uh, Here's a little of what Joe Biden had to say during his speech. This is
0: America's day. This is democracy's day. A day of history and hope, of renewal and resolve. Through a crucible for the ages, America has been tested anew and America has risen to the challenge. Today, we celebrate the triumph not of a candidate, but of a cause, the cause of democracy. The people, the will of the people has been heard, and the will of the people has been heeded. We've learned again that democracy is precious. Democracy
4: is fragile. And at this hour, my friends, Democracy has failed. Well, there we go. Uh, that's part of Joe Biden's inauguration speech. It was quite fair It was quite a fanfare. Um, of course, Lady Gaga doing the national anthem as only Lady Gaga can. <laughs> I thought it was all a bit over the top, to be honest. But anyway, that's how they do it in America. Uh, J Lo Jennifer Lopez also performed, etc. Um, But there seem to be more of the political elite there than your average Americans. Uh, Of course, COVID and the recent unrest in the capitals probably had a lot to do with that. Anyway, give us a call, 13 12 69, if you would like to have your say. Marcus Paul in the morning. Look, one year on from the devastating black summer bushfires, and it appears much of the Australian forest is showing signs of recovery. Isn't that wonderful news? It all comes as an expert scientific review has found some 70% of plant species in eucalypt forests are able to survive bushfires through so-called recovery buds. The remaining 30% of plants drop seed when burnt, a fire adaptation known as seeding. Dr Patrick Norman from Griffith University says our forests are responding well after 60 million years evolving with fire. Interesting. Marcus Ball in the morning. I, like it. I like In
3: 2021, 2SM, like 2SM it. has Sydney talking. I
2: like it.
4: All right, here we are, 13-12-69, Marcus Paul in the morning. If you want to send an email to the program, MP in the morning at 2SMSuperNetwork.com. sm Look, the New South Wales state opposition demands the government puts community needs, not political self-interest, first when awarding the next round of the Stronger Country Communities Fund. <laughs> Well, documents obtained by New South Wales Labor reveal more than 80% of grants in the first three rounds were, you guessed it, awarded to projects in electorates held by LNP seats. Uh, Now, the uh, the SCCF is one of several grants currently being scrutinised. That's the Stronger Country Communities Fund is one of several grants at the moment being scrutinised by an upper house inquiry into the integrity, efficiency and value for money of the New South Wales Government grants. Two more hearing dates for the inquiry have been slated for February the 1st and February the 8th. Shadow Minister for Local Government Greg Warren said the Government is on notice with applications for round four now open. How about this for a change, Gladys? You spread them around New South Wales evenly. You haven't got an election for quite some time. You're pretty safe at the moment. So let's be fair, huh?
6: Authorities in Queensland are calling on people to dob in rubbish dumpers. Tiwa Beach on Noosa's North Shore was trashed over the weekend. Gazebos,
4: garbage, food waste and tents were left on abandoned campsites. Queensland Parks and Wildlife Service spends hundreds of thousands of dollars cleaning up rubbish from that one beach every year.
7: Nine in ten small businesses have expressed frustration in finding and
4: maintaining funding for their enterprise. Research shows loan conditions are the main source of annoyance for eighty four percent of businesses surveyed. Scott Pack's CEO John Sutton says these people need to do their research.
8: What they certainly need is financiers that are flexible, and what our survey did find is that most non-bank lenders are more flexible than what the larger banks are, and uh, the advice I would give to small businesses is to shop around, to talk to their accountants and to talk to their brokers uh, who are experts in finding the most competitive rates and terms they need.
4: Aidan, good morning, how are you? Good morning, Marcus, how are you, sir? Uh, all right, Aiden. don't call me sir. Sorry about
9: that, just uh, being a little bit formal. I was having a few conversations. Sorry about that. No, that's all um, right. But Marcus, I'm just calling you this morning because I was really interested in your last conversation, or not even conversation, your last bill of information. Yep. Getting to an incident last night in Hill. That's right. Now, now, I completely agree you shouldn't hit women, um, but this isn't Nazi Germany. And last time I looked on the government website, you don't have to show your exemption um, because that would sort of be like Nazi Germany when the... The Gestapo were asking people oh, to show
4: their papers. Oh, Aiden, Aiden, it, it, Aiden. Don't tell, an, don't tell me you're an you're are you an anti masker? No, I'm not an anti masker. I'm just for people's freedoms. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear one. If you want to wear a mask, wear one. But it's comp okay, well okay, let me put it to you this way. If you don't want to wear a mask, then get the bloody hell off public transport where you can possibly if infect other people it's not about but marcus who's dying from it I'll oh don't even go there mate who's dying from it i can tell you i can put you in contact with a number of people who've lost loved ones because of covid19 if you like you know what i've lost a grandfather my best friend has lost a grandfather and just recently another one of our
9: friends has lost a grandfather all three of them in their late 80s none of them died from coronaviruses all in hospitals Came from and what,
4: what's fish. that got to do with the price of fish?
9: No, I'm just saying, if it's time that one and one equals two. and this, this is both <laughs> It's going time
4: up. that one and one equals two. One and one is always equaled two.
9: Yeah, and I can't really see the transparency with what's going on with the government. Oh. i got to say, if the police keep doing what they're doing, what happened to those young ladies... It's going to happen more often because we'll stand up... Well, it'll ha- like probably people. happen more
4: often because there are dickheads like you out there, Aidan. That's I, why. i say that to me in a boxing ring, Mark, but you'd probably be a coward. I beg your pardon? No. Yeah, what do you so, mean? You
9: wouldn't say that to my face because I'm definitely not a coward, Mark, if I just don't follow the narrative of every day... Oh, of the every you don't day
4: follow lady. the narrative but you'd rather ring a, a public forum like this and spread misinformation and rubbish. It's not misinformation and the fact that you... Of course not... it's misinformation. The law states very clearly, Aiden, that if you want to take public transport, wear a mask. For God's sake, we're not asking you to buy a Nickelback album. But, but
9: this is the problem, Marcus. You're a reporter. You're not a police official or a government official.
4: Stop trying to enforce things that aren't laws. But it is law, you moron. What is hard to understand, Aidan? It is LAW law that right now, if you travel on public transport, you have to wear a mask. Look, Marcus, I'd strongly
9: urge any police officer to come and use that law against me, but I'd like to remind you it's not. Well,
4: they probably would, Aidan. If you hopped on public transport and there was a police officer there and you didn't put a mask on. Uh, well, they probably wouldn't. You know what would happen? You'd spend what? the night in jail like the 72-year-old bloke. No, I definitely wouldn't. No, uh, 100% you would, Aiden. I can guarantee you 100% you absolutely would. Now, if you like, I, you I can put Aiden. you into contact with a couple of copper mates. Uh, I've got a couple of mates that are in the job. Would you like me to pass on your details to them? We've got your number here, Aiden. Maybe they can give you a call and have a chat That's to you awesome. about what an absolute moron you are. Aiden. honestly, I'm sick to death of people like you i got a couple of mates. You want me to get them to come around, have a visit to you and explain why you need to follow the law and why you, whoever the hell you are, are not exempt from following the law like everybody else in this state. If you don't like it, piss off somewhere else. Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12 69 is our telephone number. I'll go to the open line in just a few moments. If you want to send us an email, MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com. Well, I see New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian has called on the federal government to reconsider the long term suspension of international trouble, uh, tr- travel, that is. Um, and she says basically that a Pacific bubble should be established. ASAP, possibly early this year. Now, the uh, Premier's push for a faster approach to restarting international travel during the pandemic comes after Australia's Chief Medical Officer, Paul Kelly, this week said it would be one of the last things to change after a coronavirus vaccine rollout. Well, the Premier yesterday told The Herald... There's no reason why we shouldn't aim to travel to New Zealand or some of the Pacific Islands well within the next 12 months. Professor Kelly, however, warned on Tuesday that Australia had to be cautious in restarting international travel, given the country was in an envious position compared with most of the rest of the world. All right, Chris, good morning, mate. How are you? Oh, hang on there. I need to actually go into uh, what we'll do because um, we're not in delay at this point. Um, I'll go to a break. I'm sorry for those callers hanging on uh, because I need to. uh, We don't want anybody swearing at me. So I'll, I'll go into delay so we can get to our callers. We'll, we'll take a break. We need to anyway. And then we'll come back and talk to Chris and James on the open line on 13 12 69. That's the telephone number at 16 to 7, 16 to 6 in Queensland. 2 SM's. OK, 13 to 7. Let's try again. Chris, good morning, mate. Thanks for holding on. That's all right, Marcus. How are you going? All right, thanks, buddy. What's uh,
10: what's uh, on your mind? Look, I, I wanted to speak about... I, I was watching the news there last night, and Gladys Berejiklian was on the news, and you're talking about masks and social distancing and everything, and she was too. Yeah. And then they had a picture of her sitting at a computer head-to-head with some other person, no-one wearing masks. Then she was interviewed, no-one wearing masks. And then they had... Um footage of a train station with everybody leaving.
4: Yeah, I think it might have been
10: Central, right? And no, there was. I couldn't see a mask anywhere.
4: Yeah, well, they should be wearing them on Central Station. I mean, I've been taking public transport. To and from work in the last couple of weeks because we've got a later start, and I see a lot of people masking up. But
10: look, yeah, I, I just don't think it's a very good example when when they do that, you know.
4: Yeah, in in their um, defence, I mean, the uh, the premier and, and those involved in press conferences need to take their masks off to speak. Uh, but those around, uh, those around them, should actually have masks on, though.
10: They weren't holding masks. They didn't have a mask pulled yeah. down. Mm. They didn't appear to have a mask. All right. um, and the other thing I wanted to say was there's a, a, a group of our members going to Canberra 60-odd, I believe, and they got a special exemption to go to Canberra. So just repeat um, that.
4: You dropped out. There's a group of who? Uh,
10: members of Parliament going nice. to Canberra for meetings and such. Yep. Uh,
11: Oh,
4: he's fine. He's gone. That phone, no good. Uh, Look, I know what he's going to say. There are exemptions for our politicians going to Canberra. Look, I have to say, so they damn well should, Um, our politicians need to get back to work, whether they're state, federal or otherwise. And I haven't got an issue at all, so long as they all... You know, they, they are COVID tested. Don't worry about that. Those people, those MPs and people who are returning to work in the nation's capital to keep our country running are tested and on top of that uh, we need them there. I think a little common sense I think is the approach we need to take here. I mean fair enough give uh, criticism where it's due but I think it's a little silly to jump up and down about returning politicians to Canberra you know not, not having to quarantine. I mean they've got to get back to work surely for all of us I would have all right, eleven to seven, thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. The telephone number, if you would like to have you say Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, now, this email from Dino in Casino regarding Job Seeker. G'day, Marcus. My out-of-work son applied for Job Seeker. The paperwork required was horrendous for a, a kid, but we sent what we could in online birth certificate details of jobs applied for, etc. But couldn't send the requested bank statements online, so had to snail mail them. They reckon they never got them, so rejected his claim. We gave up? I just look after him now like a good father should. All right, well, thank you for that. Appreciate it, Dino. 13 12 the telephone number. Now, new figures released today by the Productivity Commission show just how broken our country's aged care system is under the Morrison government. We'll talk about that a little later with Julie Collins, who's the Shadow Minister for Aging and Seniors, and also, of course, the Minister for Women. Now, also this morning, what I want to talk about is the fact that, well, New South Wales Labor are demanding the government puts community needs, not political self-interest, first when awarding the next round of the Stronger Country Communities Fund. Documents obtained by New South Wales Labor reveal more than 80% of grants in the first three rounds were awarded to, yep, you guessed it, projects in electorates held by Liberal and National MPs. Look, the SCCF is one of several grants currently being scrutinised by an Upper House Inquiry into the integrity, efficiency and value for money of New South Wales Government's grant programs. Two more hearing dates for this inquiry have been scheduled for February the 1st and February 8th. I'm just wondering whether there'll be less pork barrelling this time and more adequate and equitable funding arrangements for the entirety of New South Wales. So the Shadow Minister for Sport and Recreation is Linda Volts. She joins us on the program. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Thank you so much for your time. You say, and I agree, pork-barrelling is neither ethical nor normal behaviour, even though you know, we've heard in recent times the Premier almost trying to justify it by saying, well, everybody's done it in the past. We need to clamp down on it. I think New South Wales taxpayers expect and deserve an equitable spread of public money across all electorates.
12: Uh, absolutely. And you've got to make sure it's fair and it's fair across all sports. Um, particularly in the bush, you need to make sure that kids are getting a fair go.
4: Well, I mean, this systemic rotting of grants, which we've seen in the past, has led to, as we heard a while ago, you know, some 90-odd percent of the money going into LNP seats, meaning that a lot... And that was, you know, for the stronger communities' grants funds, that was supposed to go to amalgamated councils, but now we've got more public money available. How can you ensure, Linda, that... Yeah, you know, this money is spent evenly. Uh,
12: well, you have to constantly be on the case of um, seeing where the government puts the money in. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's already an impact what they've done in the funding. We're up to round four. Uh, they're targeting, they say, women's sport. There is still no women's regional netball facility outside of the Sydney Basin, uh, and that impacts in the bush. Uh, now we'll be um, looking at these grants when they get into the Upper House Inquiry and seeing exactly where the government's going to put this money.
4: Well, apart from new netball courts, etc., for women, uh, where would you like to see the money go, Linda?
12: Well, we've been running some forums uh, because they say they're targeting women's sport uh, in, in, this, in this round, and we've been running women's sports forums, talking to women in sport, and, you know, there's a range of issues that come up, uh, but... In some country towns, it's just accessibility that's an issue. Uh, in other country towns, it's lighting. Uh, so so there's a range of different issues. But while they're putting uh, these rounds into the bush, they've cut the rounds in Sydney. So round three of the Greater Sydney Sports Facilities where every field is at capacity has also been cut. So mm. you can see problems just arising um, everywhere as they target more and more money into certain seats.
4: And is there a risk again in this, you know, the latest round, is there a risk that, well, uh, we may see an uneven distribution into LNP seats again?
12: Yeah, well, there's every possibility that's what's going to happen. There are no guidelines out yet. The the Deputy Premier is announcing these grants. Uh, There's no criteria. And often uh, sports are very disappointed when they see what the criteria the government's laid down.
4: Why are they disappointed by the criteria? Is it, uh, I mean, is it cumbersome? Is, what's the problem with the criteria, essentially?
12: Well, de- depending on the grants, there's in a, a number of problems. If it's a large grant of $1.5 uh and, and often these ones are, if you're talking about amenity blocks, there is often a criteria that you have to provide half. Now, obviously, some sports uh, that aren't the big sports don't have that kind of money, so they're going to miss out. Also, uh, you know, you look at uh, it's going to be targeting change rooms. Well, a lot of the towns I go to, lighting's a big issue, particularly for um, sports like netball and cricket. Uh, It's just not safe for for people to be down there at night when there's no lighting. So uh, there's a range of criteria that makes it difficult for sport to actually access the funds.
4: Yeah, making it hard. I I hear what you're saying. Uh, Look, netball, let's just pick that again. Uh, It's one of the most... uh, Uh, well, the biggest sport that women play in New South Wales. So why wouldn't that be a priority of the government?
12: Well, I don't understand why it's not. And if you look at the list of sports, that they say they're targeting with these grants, it's AFL, it's rugby, it's cricket, and it's soccer. Uh, Netball doesn't even make the list. Uh, If you wanna help women's sport, we know there are certain sports women play, and particularly girls. Top of the list in netball, gymnastics, dance sport, Uh, Gymnastics and dance sports gets no funding whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and netball is the poor second cousin to the big codes.
4: Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. If mm. you're going to put money into women's sport, for God's sake, target the sports they're playing. Uh, last time I checked, women's participation, although there is some in rugby union, and rugby league, was well down mm. on something like netball. Linda, it's good to talk to you. Thank you for your time this morning.
12: No worries. Thank you very much.
4: Pleasure. Shadow Minister for Sport and Recreation, Linda Voltz, on the program. We're off to the newsroom. Seven o'clock, New South Wales, daylight saving time and six o'clock in Queensland. Give us a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 1312 69, the telephone number. 2SM
0: Sydney.
1: The promise of America
0: was born in the 18th century.
1: Richard, Bill, House, Nixon. I, John Gerald Kennedy, you solemnly swear
0: that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. I will to the best of my ability. So help me God. My fellow,
1: my fellow citizens. My fellow citizens. My fellow citizens. We will make America
0: great again. Donald James. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify.
4: All right, welcome back to the program. Great to have you company. Five and a half minutes after seven. Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12 69. The open line number and emails. MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. Well, you may recall yesterday I spoke to the mayor of Warringah. um, Well, no, the Warringah MP, Zali Stegall. Uh, so, Zali, of course, as you know, has called for a minute silence on Australia Day, but I see the mayor of Warringah, Jilly Gibson, has labelled this a political stunt. So she's rebukes the calls for a minute silence on Australia Day. Stegall had been calling for this, uh, well, moment silence to commemorate the Indigenous people who died during English settlement, but it looks like it won't be happening in her own electorate, Zali stegel Was it a publicity stunt? I'm not quite sure. Meanwhile, the New South Wales Premier wants the federal government to create a Pacific travel bubble this year. It follows the Chief Medical Health Officer, Paul Kelly, saying international travel would be one of the last things to change after the vaccine rollout. Gladys Berejiklian says there's no reason why we can't open New Zealand and some Pacific nations in the coming months. What do you make of that? All right, Joe Biden has been sworn in as the 46th President of the United States, declaring in his first speech as Commander-in-Chief that democracy has prevailed after four years of Donald Trump's tumultuous presidency. Coming to power at a time when the country has rarely been so divided, he took his oath on the very spot where exactly two weeks ago domestic terrorists invaded the capital. Biden urged Americans to start afresh and end this uncivil war. He paid tribute to the 400,000 who have now died from COVID-19 and acknowledged we have much to do in this winter of peril, quote unquote. But he also spoke of hope and renewal pledging to restore the soul and secure the future of the United States of America. This
0: is America's day. This is democracy's day, a day of history and hope, of renewal and resolve through a crucible for the ages. America has been tested anew and America has risen to the challenge. Today, we celebrate the triumph not of a candidate but of a cause, the cause of democracy. The people, the will of the people has been heard and the will of the people has been heeded. We've learned again that democracy is precious.
4: Democracy is fragile. And at this
0: hour, my friends,
4: democracy has failed. Yep, there we go. That's part of Joe Biden's speech. We say President Joe Biden now, don't we? Kamala Harris, as we know, has broken the barrier that's kept men at the top ranks of American power for more than two centuries when she was sworn in as the first female vice president and the first black woman and person of South Asian descent to hold the role. Outgoing Vice President Mike Pence attended the ceremony along with former Presidents Barack Obama, George W. Bush and Bill Clinton. Yeah, lots of fanfare. Lady Gaga was there. She belted out the Star Spangled Banner. Jennifer Lopez sang This Land Is Your Land and Garth Brooks sang Amazing Grace. But it was mostly a scaled-down affair due to security concerns and the pandemic. In place of cheering crowds, almost 200,000 American flags filled the National Mall. Now, there were some small, isolated and peaceful protests at some state capitals. The threat of widespread violence has so far not eventuated on Biden's big day, which is fantastic news. However, intelligence agencies have warned that violent anti-authority extremists, three of whom were charged yesterday, will very likely pose the greatest domestic terrorism threats in 2021. And what of outgoing President Donald Trump? Well, he went on a day of pardoning people, He pardoned his former advisor, Steve Bannon, and 142 others on his final day. He broke with tradition and didn't attend Joe Biden's inauguration. Speaking before, that says more about Trump than it does Biden, to be honest. Speaking before departing for Florida, no doubt on his way to a golf course somewhere, he said that it had been an incredible four years. We were not a regular administration, a sentiment few on either side would disagree with, of course. For the first time, though, he wished the new administration great luck and great success. But he did not mention his successor by name. There we go. And off he went to (laughs) the tunes of the Village People's YMCA. There we go. He says that he'll be back in some form, but that may depend on how he negotiates the minefield of financial and legal challenges that now confront him. We're
3: bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus, Paul in the morning.
1: Yeah, I was listening to your program there. <laughs> oh, yeah, mate, I haven't seen you that easily.
4: No, I can't understand a word you're saying. Yeah, why Why can't you understand? Because of the job? way you're talking to me, can you just slow down so we can understand what you're saying?
13: Right, do you reckon you'll understand this, Marcus?
4: No, I won't because you're the reason a gene pool needs a lifeguard. We're bringing you all the
3: news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
4: I see that uh, Federal Opposition Leader Anthony Albanese has congratulated Joe Biden, the new U.S. President, on social media. Nothing yet from Scott Morrison. It's hardly surprising. Twelve minutes after seven. G'day, Mark. How are you? Oh, no one wants to hold on this morning. All right, thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. If you get a call, please, uh, we can't get you straight away. We we try our best, but just try and hold on if you could. Um, because we do want to speak to you. 13 12 69, the telephone number, Marcus. Proulx. By the way, speaking of ScoMo, the Prime Minister has declared coal mining will continue to generate wealth in our country for decades to come, fending off calls to phase out fossil fuels and tough and toughen action to combat climate change. These mines have got 10, 20, 30 years to run, said ScoMo during a visit to the South 32 Cannington mine in McKinlay in regional Queensland yesterday. There he was, all done up in a high-vis shirt with his photographer in in tow. He ruled out government subsidies for coal mines and said miners knew that things change over time without elaborating on what those changes might be. As we know, Anthony Albanese, the opposition leader, has also rejected calls for Australia to stop exporting coal. Now, I think uh, we've got Mark back. He dropped out. G'day, Mark. How are you, mate? G'day, How are you? Good. Hey, um,
14: that bloke called the day before, you know, you're talking about Morrison, who was the architect of this robo-debt, and uh, he was pushing it, and he designed it, blah, blah, blah. Yep, and all the way through, apparently. $1.1 $1. 1 billion.
4: Yep and
14: no-one no no one said anything
4: about it. When, when you say no-one said anything about it, I mean, I've been talking about well, it for ages.
14: Every, all, all, all the other right-wing media never said boo about it. Well, of course not. doesn't fit their narrative uh, no, I think or their so agenda. Pathetic. Like I said to you the other morning, hmm. could you imagine if all this was happening, if Labor was borrowing the money and giving it to people, how would they be going on and on and on and on? <laughs>
4: Well, you and I both know that. Probably most of the new listeners to this program would know that as well, Mark. But, you know, someone needs to try and keep uh, uh, those in power. It's not about a left or right issue. It's about ensuring that those in power are doing the right thing by um, Australians yeah. and constituents and certainly our taxpayer dollars. God knows we pay enough tax in this country. Uh, and
14: I think it's up in Queensland... With the
4: Murdoch
14: media, owns a 100% of the outlets up there. Yeah. Uh, what's the name? Tell us, got in with a bigger majority. How funny is that? Well, that's right. And all be- the bagging they did to her. Yep. <laughs> no one's going to listen to them.
4: No, they don't. Uh, and I think Murdoch's in a bit of trouble in some areas, including the United States. Uh, News Corp is bleeding money. So is maybe... Really? Yeah, maybe they need to perhaps just be a little be a bit, bit more... Balanced. Balance. That's it. Absolutely. I mean, in your editorials, you can say whatever the hell you like. I mean, that's what well, editorials are for. And not everybody goes to what the you know the editor of the paper has to say. But in your general reporting, you've got to be a little bit more transparent and a little bit fairer.
14: More balanced. Though. Yeah, yeah. Well, balanced with a middle you half. And I don't know what the audience of Sky News is like. I I never watch it. (laughs) You have an obsession with
4: Sky News. I I
14: just hate that so much.
4: (laughs) Well, then don't subscribe. See, that's the beauty of it. You don't have to. Uh, You know, some people enjoy it. Some people. uh, I mean, during the day. I have to say, uh, my partner at, in her office in the city, they have Sky on during the day, which is just general news. That's actually you quite... Did? Yeah, well, that's quite good. Across the day, it's good, but after dark, they go rogue. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> rogue's of nice way of
14: putting it. I wouldn't call that but
4: anyway. All right, mate. Thank you, Mark. You have a good day. 13 12 69, the telephone number. I mean, in fairness, I have to say, um, Sky do quite often um, listen to the interviews we do with Anthony Albanese and others, and, and they also give our show a bit of a plug. So, look, again, uh, if you don't like which way um, the political persuasion of a news outlet is headed, you don't have to consume it. I mean, you have the right if you, you know, to turn me off, turn somebody else on, or turn somebody else off and come over to us. You know, that's the beauty of a democracy. Um, but it is very, very clear that there are a number of outlets that do lean a certain way. And it only becomes, in my opinion, it's not a problem in your editorialing, uh, editorial, you know, when you're basically giving opinion. The problem is, a lot of the time, opinion is, dis- is disguised as news. And that's where we start to, I think, get really close to Stepping over the line, if not completely over it. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Oh boy, oh boy, a really awful story coming in from New South Wales police. A woman is in a critical condition and a man has been charged after an assault in Sydney's West yesterday. This happened at Mount Druitt on Currajong Avenue. Uh, there were reports a woman had suffered critical head injuries after being assaulted by a man known to her around 2 o'clock yesterday. Police were told the 26-year-old bloke attended the woman's workplace where they got into a verbal, verbal argument before the man allegedly punched and kicked the woman to the head multiple times and threw her to the ground, causing her to hit her head on concrete. Jesus! Now, staff members at this poor woman's work Tried to intervene, but they were also assaulted, allegedly. So this coward, this grub, then left the scene on foot before emergency services arrived. Ambo's paramedics treated the 60-year-old woman for head injuries and she was taken to Westmead Hospital, where, by the way, she remains in a critical condition. Now, Mount Drua police officers arrested this bloke nearby. He was taken to Mount Drua police station and charged with causing grievous bodily harm to a person with intense domestic violence and destroy or damage property. Uh, he's from Parramatta, this guy he was refused bail, and he will front Mount Druitt Local Court today, where I'm hoping police have a strong enough case to keep this grub behind bars for quite some time. Fancy that going to uh, the victim's place of employment, arguing with her, and then belting her one allegedly before she cracks a skull on concrete. Absolute vile grubbies. Back to the open line at 20 minutes after seven. G'day, James. How are you? Um,
13: Very well, thank you, Marcus. And you're looking good too. Nice shirt today for a change. Thank you. That's all right. (laughs)
4: There's I, a couple of things. I worry every time you say that. I keep checking this place for cameras. We don't have one set up yet, but we are apparently in the works of, of sure? doing it. Are you sure? What? Yeah. <laughs>
13: All right, okay. mate. Okay. Um, last night, I can't even remember why. I must have been mucking around the computer. Yeah. But I saw one thing, I think it was in eighteen ten, eighteen twenty, in Wynnell or something like that, it was, There's an Aboriginal massacre by the Europeans, white settlers. Yeah. And they didn't say how many were killed, yep. but they did. It was noted there. I read there that seven of those Europeans were hung
4: for punishment. Well, there were, uh, you know, very severe punishments for those sorts of violent incidents. Of you know, which yes. uh, But the problem is, a lot of these incidents weren't reported, and a lot of people yeah. got away with murder. Quite literally. Yeah, I
13: know, and some didn't. But that's beside the point. The more important thing, I think, about Australia
4: Day. Yeah. What a bloody shit hot ad. The Lamb ad is this year. It's brilliant. The one with Sam Kekovich and the, the dividing the wall. walls. Yeah, the yeah, wall. yeah.
13: And the best part, yeah. if you watch it, watch mm. it again. And as they come out of the news agent near the start, because yeah. it's Australia 2031.
2: Yep, that's it's right. Got
13: a, one of the front lines for the newspapers is, oh, NBN rollout right. delayed again.
4: It's gold, isn't it? It's very, very clever. We've got it up on our social media. Just go to 2 com and you can click on our page, Marcus Paul, in the morning. And we've got the, the full video. It runs for about three and a half minutes. And you're absolutely right, James. It's brilliant. Thank you for the call, mate. Appreciate it. Hello, Tony. Are you there?
15: Yeah, Happy New Year, Marcus. You're not wearing your Canberra jersey, are you?
4: Not yet, but I did get a brand new one for Christmas. I've got uh, the new milk one, um, thanks to beautiful Ash, who uh, thought she'd shout me something nice for Christmas. She should... Who's that, sorry? Uh, oh, my partner, yeah, yeah. she bought me a, a brand new Canberra oh, Raiders right. jersey. It looks just so good. I can't wait to wear she it to work. She
15: must be a Canberra supporter as well, is she? She
4: is now. She knows what's anyway, good for her. No, uh,
15: just two things quickly. Um, are you across his story about uh, Cricket Australia, Um Something about the name of, um, not calling it Australia Day or January 26th or something for the Big Bash next week. You across uh, that story? I'm going to be
4: honest. Um, I'm, I kind of don't follow a lot of the sporting stuff because we have a, a, the sporting uh, show that does it. But I, I'll look into it. So what? tell me, what, yeah. what's the detail you have there?
15: Well, I just heard something this morning, something about that they don't want to call it. Oh, something to do with Australia Day or just January twenty sixth. It's just politics mixed with sport again, as usual.
4: Anyway, yep, okay.
15: And the other thing was the flu. uh, The as you know, with the flu jab, it's up to us if we have it every year or not. But with the COVID nineteen, if they talk about uh, not uh, being able to go to clubs or fly here or there and not have the COVID jab, does that mean we're going to have to have it every year? Well, not sure about that yet.
4: I'm not sure. Uh, Look, I think we need to wait till we get more detail on exactly how many jabs you need to have and exactly what form the vaccine will take um, and I don't want to uh, you know basically talk out of school on this uh, I'm not an expert I'm I'm not a medical expert by any means um, we'll probably just have to wait and see but it's a very valid point you make Tony will we require just one covid-19 jab or will we require one annually we get a flu shot annually so maybe we need, we may need to get a COVID nineteen jab or vaccine or whatever form it takes annually as well. But uh, again, that's just a, a guess and not an educated one. Thirteen twelve sixty nine the telephone number. Look, if anybody knows any detail about um, what my caller was talking about in relation to the Big Bash, what they don't want to call it an Australia Day event, is that right? Is. I don't care how many times people try to do it, you cannot cancel Australia Day. Try as hard as you like, you will not cancel Australia Day. All right, and I know there's a lot of businesses that are a bit worried that if they, you know, link themselves too much to Australia, you think the Australian Lang Corporation's worried about linking itself to Australia Day and Sam Kekovich and all the rest of it, not on your Nelly. Uh, don't worry, Australia Day will never, ever be cancelled. There'd be a public outcry if there was. Little tweaks might be made here, there, and everywhere. Whether it's you know a minute silence or an Aboriginal flag flying at half mask and mast, and look, that's people's right to do in Australia. We're a democracy. You can protest any time you like. All right, look, I've got some detail on this. Cricket Australia will refer to next week's Big Bash extravaganza as January twenty-six rather than Australia Day after they consulted Indigenous leaders. It's a bit woke. Huh. There are three BBL games on the public holiday, and Cricket Australia are committed to ensuring the experience doesn't change for the masses who've always enjoyed blah, blah, blah. blah. However, there was a push to make the day more inclusive and culturally safe for those Australians who consider January 26 as the day of mourning, Cricket Australia's First Nations Advisory Committee. They have an advisory committee? All right. Well, Cricket Australia's First Nations Advisory Committee, which is co-chaired by Cricket Australia board member and former international Mel Jones, made a series of recommendations which included not making reference to Australia Day. All right. So what have we got here now? Australia's supposed premier sport, I mean, it's one that we're so good at on an international stage, Australia's premier sport cannot and will not use the term Australia Day. On Australia Day, January 26th, it's getting out of hand. It really is. It's really getting out of hand. Cricket Australia passed this recommendation onto the six BBL clubs playing that day. The Brisbane Heat, Perth Scorchers, Melbourne Renegades, Hobart Hurricanes, Melbourne Stars and Sydney Sixers. But there is no edict for them to drop the Australia Day terminology. And they're free to promote the match as they see fits. Uh, we also hear that some clubs may wear Indigenous strips and are being encouraged to participate in taking a knee before play or forming a barefoot circle. If that's something, the teams, including the Stars and the Sixers, apparently have been practising all season already. Well, what do you make of it? Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. politics and sport. As far as I'm concerned, never the twain shall meet. Gee, they're really going hard, all the television networks this morning. We've got a rolling coverage of Joe Biden being escorted back to the White House from Arlington Cemetery. (laughs) Really? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Like I say, it's all OTT, over the top. Marcus Paul in the morning, 13, 12, 69. News next at seven thirty six thirty in Queensland. Genuine talk on the radio. This
3: is Marcus Paul in the no morning. No
4: jab, no way. Exclusive pub ban plan for anti-vaxxers. Tell you something, mate. This COVID is a thing that keeps a given. And I think they're just
14: pumping it for as much as they can because while that's happening... They're just doing what they want to do. It's a distraction,
4: Jeff. You're absolutely right. We're
3: bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
4: All right, welcome back. 131269, the telephone number. Malcolm Roberts from One Nation joining us on the program soon. Uh, I see Malcolm is actually on the road driving down the New South Wales coast. Uh, He's catching up with uh, people who follow One Nation who've been reaching out to him, so... Uh, We'll hear Malcolm very soon on the program. All right, residents in Sydney's west have been warned to dispose of masks properly or face a littering fine of $450. If you search gutters around, in fact, look, it's a little unfair. (laughs) I walked through the centre of Sydney yesterday and I saw a stack of masks just littering gutters everywhere. So I don't think it's just Western Sydney, but anyway. Blacktown City Council alerted residents to the fines amid a growing number of disposable masks and other PPE items being discarded on local streets. Now, those who do not wear a mask in places such as shopping centres face a $200 on-the-spot fine, but they can be fined more for littering if they simply throw them away. Blacktown Council have stated since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, We are seeing face masks littered on footpaths, in car parks, and even in shopping trolleys. Littering these items can put other community members at risk of contracting COVID-19. And of course, as we know, littering is illegal. And the fine? Woo! $450. Yep, a $450 aggravated littering fine will be issued to anyone caught littering a face mask. Oy oh boy, 13, boy, 131269. 2SM Sydney Traffic.
16: Carrying by Kingsway, Mackay Street, an accident eastbound lane 2 out of action. We've got very heavy traffic, Pennant Hills Road, at Mason's Drive. Traffic lights blacked out due to power failure, Carlingford. And very heavy traffic, the M7 through Preston's approaching Bonira Road northbound direction. Back on the school run, book a cap price service at your local Toyota dealership through Toyota Service Advantage. Oh, what a feeling, Toyota. Standard schedule logbook servicing only. T's and C's
3: apply. That's the latest traffic on 2SM 1269. Sydney's favourite weekend fishing shop.
17: That's right. And it's, a, it's a great time of year to get out there and get amongst it, this sort of early uh, summer slash late autumn well, time. It's a transition sort of period between
15: the winter species and the summer species. Yep. So you get yeah a lot of lot of options. High
17: Tide on 2SM. It's fantastic. You know, the brim are, are back and they're hungry and it's just great. There's no shortage of fish to be caught at the moment.
3: High Tide, weekends from 4am on 2SM 1269. can change in a heartbeat. Pop heart Kids supports the 8 Aussie babies born every day with congenital heart disease.
6: Welcome to Chilli Pip Lounge Designs, where we custom make your lounge to suit your exact needs and style. Our factory and showroom are based in Sydney, made by Australians for Australians. Chilli Pip specializes in lounges, sofa beds and ottomans. Choose your favorite fabric or leather. Feel safe with a 10-year warranty and over 20 years experience. Call Chili Pip Lounge Designs today and speak to one of our friendly staff on 1300 797 516. Chilipip.com.au.
16: Finance Easy can help you through these uncertain financial times. Whether you need to get on top of bills, business loans, car loans, equipment finance, Finance Easy can take the stress out of finding finance with Australia's best rates. We are here to support the community. Chat to us online or over the phone and let us take care of everything. Visit financeeasy.com.au or call 1300 003 003. Finance Easy. That's E-Z-I. We make getting what you want. Easy.
7: Helping you to manage the pain and inflammation associated with osteo and other mild forms of arthritis is Stiff Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel. Always read the label, use only as directed, and if symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional. Look for Stiff Sore & Sorry Pain Relief Gel at pharmacies and health food stores everywhere. To find the location of your nearest stockist, go to loveoilcollection.com.au or phone Ray 040 359. Email us,
3: check out our podcasts, and listen live to smsupernetwork.com. The promise of America was born in the 18th
0: century.
1: I, Richard Bill House Nixon, I, John Gerald Kennedy, who solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will to the best of my ability, so help me God. My fellow citizens. My fellow citizens. My fellow citizens.
0: We will make America
1: great again. Donald
0: James. I pledge to be a president
4: seeks not to defy, but unify. This is the time to heal America. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, yep, the fanfare continues. Nobody, I mentioned earlier, nobody does it bigger. I won't say necessarily better. It's like they're flexing uh, their muscle or putting it out on the table. How big is this? Have a look. I mean, for God's sake, if I have to see one more shot of the presidential limo, the Beast driving at five kilometres an hour down Pennsylvania Avenue, I think I'll throw up. Uh, Enough's enough. For God's sake, do we need to have every single uh, minute of Joe Biden driving down a street? He's on his way back to the White House from Arlington Cemetery, etc. What amazes me, though, when you're watching this on television and there's police lining the streets, there's no spectators, of course. The police lining up and down Pennsylvania Avenue, hundreds, if not thousands of them, all of the presidential cars beside the you know the beast, there's all these limos behind it. there's four or five secret service agents walking either side of the presidential limousine and then there's about thirty other SUVs behind it. <laughs> I mean God's sake, talk about being bloody paranoid.
3: And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning, Senator Malcolm Roberts.
4: And imagine the cost, too. Anyway, they must have plenty of money and no problems, of course, with COVID-19. G'day, Malcolm. Good morning, Marcus. How are you? I'm okay. I'm just having a, a little chuckle at the wank fest going on in the United States at the moment. I I get that it's a, you know, a momentous occasion. I understand every time a president's inaugurated that they have to get celebrities up there to sing songs and carry on. But for God's sake, enough's enough, surely.
17: Yeah, I, I've uh, travelled through all 50 American states. I've lived there for five years. I've studied at one of the top universities over there and I've worked over there. Uh, in eight different states, and I love Americans. They're absolutely fabulous people, but they're different. Um, you know, in many ways, they look like us, they dress like us, they have similar <laughs> habits, they're casual and they're formal like us, they love us. Yeah, But, mate, they just go over the top when it comes to celebrating things. It's just, uh, for Australians, it's too much.
4: Well, you'd think that there's no issue with COVID-19. You'd think that America uh, is all as, uh, you know, there's, there's no social inequality. You'd think that um, there's no civil unrest. It's all, I don't know. Look, I'm seeing right now the presidential motorcade with the military escorting Joe Biden back to the White House. The boat looks like it needs a good lie down.
17: Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's a contradiction in America. Wherever I went, you can see contradiction. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, you can get a very energetic country like America, but there are so many so many inequalities as well. But there's one thing that's very strong in Americans, and that's their love of their country and their, their passion for yeah, I get their it. freedom. And so mm. um, I think there'll be a lot of Americans holding their breath right now.
4: All right, mate, now you're on the road driving down the New South Wales coast. Uh, you, you're around Singleton, are you?
17: Yes, and what a beautiful day it is. I used to live in Singleton, okay. uh, worked here several times, but... Um it's a glorious day and blue sky. We've just driven up the valley from Singleton. We're now in Musselbrook and yep. we went past Bayswater and Liddell Power Station. It's just absolutely beautiful.
4: Yeah, nice. Now, the federal government's so-called industrial relations reforms, you've had a fair bit to say about that uh, ahead of Senate estimates hearings in March.
17: Well, they're going to try and put it, bring in, in the legislation into the Senate fairly soon. There's an inquiry at the moment, but we've had a good look at it. Uh, we've still got a lot more work to do on it, but Marcus... You know, our aims are always to protect honest workers, to protect small business, and in this case, to restore productive capacity. Um, and, you know, the government is really just playing at this. It's, it, it's not addressing energy, it's not addressing tax, it's not addressing infrastructure, it's not addressing over regulation, it's still making life hard for people. Um, it's not a real reform at all, it's just tinkering to look after its mates. And, and the overriding thing with this so-called industrial relations reform, it's not reform, it's tinkering with the deck chairs and the Titanic, yeah. is that it's, their aim seems to be to not upset anyone and to try and please everyone. And whenever you do that, Marcus, you're coming out of fear. Yes. And so they're afraid, and that means the country will suffer. These, these uh, regulations, they don't simplify, and small business badly needs that. The, the key aspect of this supposed reform from the prime minister is to get jobs, mate. Yeah. But it won't get any jobs.
2: It's
10: mm. just
17: going to make things more complex. Um, there are some positives in there, but there are overwhelmingly a lot of negatives. We're just going to have to do a lot of work on this.
4: All right. Now, obviously, on this trip down the coast, uh, you've been catching up with people who have have reached out to you, made contact. What are you hearing on the ground?
14: Well, first
17: of all, I've got to say how how beautiful uh, the, the country is on the coast coming south down to... Um, New South Wales, it's just green, it's glorious. Yeah, uh, and, and people, I've, I've heard from small business, for example, a guy who runs, well, I won't tell you his business because it's a boutique business and, and I don't want um, anyone to come back on him, but he was really talking about uh, how difficult life is under state, federal and and local governments because oh, they're making things complex.
4: Absolutely, and, could you imagine all that bloody red tape a business owner has to go through these days? It's just, it's almost. Right. Uh, Marcus, he was telling me
17: things like you get you get you get a permit from the state government to do something, and then by the time you've finished dealing with regulations for the local government, the state government permits have expired, and you've got to get it again, uh, and that means more fees. And he was talking about twenty, thirty thousand dollars. I think fifty, forty-five thousand dollars in one case. Just to get consultants in to do the work for the local government, you can't afford that. No. And but one good piece of news: uh, we visited a, a workshop here, in a fairly large workshop here, in well in in uh, Rutherford, which yep. is near Maitland, mm-hmm. and they're telling us they do a lot of work for agriculture and, yeah. um, and and mining machinery. And they're telling us that the price of coal has gone up quite a bit, and they're hiring again, which is good for the valley, and it's really good for the the whole Hunter Valley in Newcastle because. Most people don't realise this, but for every job in the coal mine, there are six other jobs depending upon those jobs. And so, the, the price of coal and the use of coal is extremely mm. important to everyone in New South Wales.
4: Well, look, you know you've got a bloke up there in the Hunter who is making a fair bit of noise. I'm sure he's scaring the pants off of Joel Fitzgibbon. Uh, but I don't know if. Things are looking okay or a little better up there in the Hunter. Uh, maybe Joel might hold on a little bit.
14: Well, well, the problem with Joel
17: um, is that his party, his party won't let him do things. His party has got the, their foot on the throat of the coal industry and they're determined to kill the coal industry. I mean, some of the senior people in the Labor Party have admitted that and said that is what they want to do, and it's insane. One of the things I, I did coming down the, the New South Wales coast, i I'm doing a bit of research in southern New South Wales uh, in the next couple of days, and um, I stopped in Port Macquarie and uh, worked for a day and a half with an absolutely astounding scientist there, who's been going through the Bureau of Meteorology records. Right. And mate, the the records are just so shoddy, and and he's done advanced statistical analysis once he's once he's removed all the the uh, uh, the deliberate movements and or adjustments. And there's no warming at all going on. So this whole thing about coal is just a beat-up.
4: Yep. All right. Now, well, just on coal, of course, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, uh, he's had a lot to say. He's been... Hey, oh, by the way, when you visit these places, do you don on your, your high-vis shirt and, do you, you know, you, you untuck the top of the collar just to show a little bit of chest hair, look all macho and <laughs> like you're in the moment? And do you have your uh, professional photographer uh, tailing your every move? For a photo mate, op, Malcolm, I'm just wondering.
17: No, that's not me. Okay. What I'm doing is I'm driving by myself. This sure. morning I've got some of my, uh, one of my staff with me, but uh, I've been driving down the coast on my own. I make all my own arrangements. Uh, I take my own notes. I just listen to people. Because you can't listen to people through others. You've got to listen by, you know, firsthand, yeah, direct. Right, fair and enough. So, no, I don't go for all that crap.
4: <laughs> well said. All right, mate, uh, listen. We've got a listener, Gail Thornton, who follows the program. Um, We want you to say hello. Can you just do me a favour? Say, G'day, Gail. Hope you're having a wonderful morning. Just say that for me. G'day, Gail. Hope you're having a great morning. See, Gail says on our Facebook page, and I have to tell you, um, you get a little bit of hate on our social media. Uh, <laughs> mind you, I get a lot of hate on my social media as well. That's just what it's all about. But your posts, and when we reshare things that, you know, you and I have a chat about a certain I- issue, it's one of the, that's <laughs> what I don't get. This is the hypocrisy with it all. And on this program, we, we'll speak to anybody, Labor, Liberal, Califumbian, uh, you know, we have Pauline, yourself... and and uh, and also Mark, uh, Mark Latham. So we listen mm-hmm. to all sides. We try to as much as we can. We, we would love to have the Prime Minister or the Premier on here, but they don't even know we exist. or they probably know we exist, but their media people don't want them to come on because they're probably upset that our oh, first question to the Premier would be, when are you going to resign? And the second question to the Prime Minister would be, <laughs> do you take any responsibility for robo-debt? And what about the thousands of people that have possibly taken their lives? So that's why they don't come on. But your, your stuff that we talk about um, is well-received. Um, you know, you've got to have your haters for those to, to really uh, like you, Malcolm. But Gail says there's no way that we will listen to anything Malcolm Roberts has to say. So I just wanted you to say good morning to Gail. She's one of your biggest <laughs> fans, I think.
17: Well, tell her that I'd be very happy to meet her, and, and I look forward to her giving me evidence that contradicts my arguments.
4: Mm. Well, that's it. Good on you, mate. Always great to catch up. Drive safely. Um, you, can't, you can't drop by and visit us, I hear. Not this time. I, I was wanting to do that, and I've yeah. got two astound- outstanding
17: um, retired people in Sydney that I want to meet because they're both very, very good on water. Yeah. And, I, and that's a critical issue for us. But um, I was hoping to drop in. But if I go anywhere near Sydney, then, mate, I've got to lock up in quarantine in Brisbane when I go back. So even oh, if I just course, don't get yes. out of the car, I've uh, just got to lock up. So I'm going to drive ridiculous. through uh, Mudgee and then that way down through Bathurst and down to Canberra that way. So it's an extra drive, but, hey, that's the way uh, look, to do. Look, we're,
4: we're broadcasting out into those regions right now, and uh, it's pretty good out there as well. You reckon it's green on the coast. You should see it inland. It's just gorgeous around uh, 2MG, Mudgee area, and out to Bathurst to, to our station 2BS and out to Warrange, 2EL. Uh, you'll love it out there, mate. Look after yourself. Thanks, Marcus. We've got to uh, look after
17: this country and stop the wombats ruining it, the wombats in Canberra.
4: All right, mate. Bye-bye. Malcolm Roberts, Marcus Paul in the morning. Well, the Prime Minister um, has, a few minutes ago, praised... Joe Biden, Um, warm congratulations to President Joe Biden on his inauguration as the 46th President of the United States. I wish him every success for his term in office and look forward to working with him and his administration on our many shared interests, particularly in the Indo-Pacific. I also extend my congratulations to Vice President Kamala Harris on her inauguration, Uh, the first woman to hold that important position. Uh, The Prime Minister goes on. Scott Morrison says the Australia-US alliance is deep and enduring and built on shared democratic values such as the rule of law, respect for human rights and equality, freedom of religion and belief, freedom of expression and diversity of opinion. So there we go. Uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison following Anthony Albanese's footsteps this morning in congratulating incoming President Joe Biden. Robbie Williams is, uh, I see, quarantining in the Caribbean or Caribbean after testing positive for COVID nineteen while on holidays with his family. That'll teach him. eh? Yeah, Robbie Williams, who apparently has COVID nineteen, it's okay though. I mean, if you have to isolate and get better, there's no better place than a one hundred eighty seven thousand dollar a week villa while on holidays to do so. I tend to think he'll be okay. Marcus Fall in the morning news next eight o'clock. All right, welcome back to the program. Thirteen twelve sixty nine is the telephone number. I see in today's Herald there's a nice little piece on Premier Gladys Berejiklian as she enters her what fifth year is it fifth year in power. (laughs) The Premier says she's more confident than ever in her leadership after a tumultuous year of fires, coronavirus, and scandal. She says she has no intention of giving up the top job. Uh, she says you stop caring about criticism when it's about life and death, and that's what the COVID 19 pandemic has been in New South Wales. Meanwhile, uh, Gladys Berejiklian has called on the federal government to reconsider the long term suspension of international travel, saying a Pacific bubble should be established sometime this year. I agree. 11 after 8, 13, 12, 69, the telephone number if you would like to have your say. Now, a really important conversation about aged care and where we're up to in Australia. Unfortunately, we still have so many Australians who are waiting for home care that they're actually entitled to. New figures released today by the Productivity Commission show just how broken our country's aged care system is under the Morrison government. Older Australians needing high-level home care are now waiting more than two years for care that they've been approved for. And in some cases, some are waiting almost three years. The waits for older Australians to enter residential care is blown out by more than 200 per cent under the coalition to around 148 days. Uh, They're certainly shameful figures. And according to Julie Collins, the Shadow Minister for Aging and Seniors, and the Shadow Minister for Women, it's the latest evidence of the Morrison government's aged care failures. I'm happy to say Julie Collins is with us on the program. Good morning to you, Julie, and Happy New Year.
7: Happy New Year to you, Marcus, and to your listeners. Uh, I wish it was a Happy New Year for older Australians waiting for home care, but uh, as you pointed out, uh, two years on after the you know the Royal Commission in October 2019 said that the very first thing the government needed to do was to fix the home care wait list. And here we are over a year later. And consistently now for two years, we've had over 100,000 older Australians waiting for home care on a wait list. This is care that they have been assessed for, approved for and actually need immediately. And they're being told to wait up to 28 months for this care. It's heartbreaking when you get you know people in their 90s who have... Multiple health issues. Yep. Some of them with terminal illnesses are being told you have to wait two years for your care. All right. And what what oh. we're seeing, of course, is we have thirty thousand older Australians die while waiting for that care. Well, I was about and to then bring that had up. Another yeah. thirty thousand go into residential care or into hospital uh, because they couldn't get the home care they needed.
4: Yeah. So over the three years leading up to the middle of last year, twenty twenty, more than thirty thousand older Australians died. While waiting for home care that had already been approved, 685 older Australians tragically died in aged care homes from COVID 19 because the Morrison government didn't have a plan.
7: That's right. Their own Royal Commission said they didn't have a plan. They keep saying, oh, well, we did, we did. But it's absolutely uh, very clear that they did not have a plan for COVID-19 in residential aged care. And I think that's why we'll see more older Australians want to stay at home and not go into residential care. So this wait list is only going to grow and the government needs to have a plan to deal with it. Drip feeding 10,000 packages here and there is not a plan to deal with a wait list that has consistently been over 100,000 for two years.
4: Well, that's right. I mean, Julie, it's like putting a band aid on a broken leg. It's not going to work. Now, the Aged Care Royal Commission's interim report detailed the crisis in aged care, uh, and the, the the actual title itself was neglect. N e g l e c t. Neglect. For me, that would have immediately set off alarm bells that would that should have seen the government scrambling to do whatever it possibly could in fixing this shambles?
7: Absolutely. I mean, we now have more than a trillion dollars of government debt, but we still have 100,000 older Australians waiting for care. What does that say about the government's priorities? But importantly, what does it mean when the Royal Commission's final report comes down at the end of February? Does it mean that the government will wait another two years before it implements decisions and recommendations again? I mean, they've had this recommendation to fix the home care waitlist now since October 2019. Yep. More than a year. More than a year later, there's still 100,000 older Australians waiting. There is no plan to deal with the waitlist. There's no plan to train the workforce to deal with the waitlist. The <laughs> government doesn't seem to have a strategy or a plan to fix this.
4: These are older vulnerable Australians many who have worked 30odd years of their lives uh, yep, helping, their build, yep, taxes, want, helping build paid taxes helping build this stay country at home yep
7: yeah in their communities with their friends they don't want to be a burden on their families they want to do the right thing and the government's saying well yes you're eligible for a home care package yes you qualify for a home care package yes you need care at home but we're going to make you wait for it.
4: Well, how long do people have to continue waiting? Some are waiting up to three years, Linda. Uh, Julie, I beg your pardon? That's
7: right. They are, and we've said it's unacceptable. A Level 4 package, which is the highest level of care, the Productivity Commission says that people are waiting 28 months. The government's website still says 12-plus months. Now, the government needs to be honest with people so that they can plan because this obviously impacts uh, the older Australians, their family members, whoever's trying to help them out with their care, you know, um, their health providers. You know, people need to know what is a reasonable wait time, what is the real wait time so that they can plan their lives.
4: Well, absolutely. I mean, as you said, we've racked up a trillion dollars in debt, but waiting times for critical services for vulnerable older Australians just keeps blowing out. In a wealthy country like ours, Australia, no one should wait more than two years for care. In fact, I would even argue no one should wait more than six months for the care that they've been approved for. Well, the Royal Commission called it
7: cruel. That was the Royal Commission's description of the home care wait list. Cruel. Uh, We know that the Commonwealth Home Support Program is at breaking point. We know that people can't get the care they need at the lower level end. We know that people are waiting for home care packages and we know, obviously, that residential care people, some people are not getting the care they need in residential care. It just shows how broken the system is. And the fear is, is, is that when the government gets the recommendations from the Royal Commission's final report at yeah. the end of February, how long are we going to wait for them to actually fix
4: it? Is that what they're waiting for, Julie? Are they waiting that's for this final excuse.
7: report? That's what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's what they're saying. Mm. If so, you know the,
4: if you know the roof is leaking, right, and it's about to cave in, and you, you're having a, a, I don't know, maybe a, an engineer come and inspect the roof that who simply is going to write a report telling you what you already bloody know. <laughs> Why wait? Get the thing fixed. Well, the, the Royal
7: Commission gave an interim report and made interim recommendations. Not many Royal Commissions take the trouble to do an interim recommendation. And the very first one was to fix the home care wait list. And the government still hasn't done it. And here we are over a year later. Yep. And my fear is is that when we get these final recommendations, the government is going to sit on them or kick them down the can and not implement all the recommendations immediately.
4: Always good to have you on the program, Julie. Let's keep the fight up. Um, I will talk to you in the the coming weeks and months as the uh, the final report is handed down into aged care, and let's try as hard as we can to get some results for them to do something. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, take care, Marcus. Lives literally, Julie, as you know, lives literally depend on it. And thank you for your time.
7: Absolutely. Take care.
4: Julie Collins. Uh, Now, Julie, of course, is the Shadow Minister for Aging and Seniors and the Shadow Minister for Women, and she's absolutely right. I mean, these wait times are outrageous. And the facts that the federal government keeps making excuses for doing something uh, to fix what we already know is broken, I think is a blight on the Morrison government and something that they need to address, well, yesterday. Today would be a good start, ScoMo. Get off the bloody... Uh, get out of the tunnels, take your high-vis shirt off, put your tie and collar on, get back to Canberra and do some bloody work for older Australians rather than your rich mates in the mining industry.
3: Now on Marcus Paul in the Morning. The Queen Bee of the
4: newsroom, Diane Coveney-Garland. It's true, Guy. mm
6: -hmm. Morning. How are you going? I'm okay.
4: 19 after <laughs> 8. Great to have your company. Uh, Diane Coveney-Garland is our Queen Bee of the Newsroom. Mm-hmm. And how are you this morning?
6: I'm well, thank you.
4: Yep. That's good. Uh, what's going on in your world?
6: Well, uh, mm. there was a story in the United States this morning with no, yeah. Joe Biden, so that's, that's pretty exciting.
4: Oh, just a, a little story. A little story. Do they go on about it, don't oh, they?
6: it's now, you, just,
4: yeah. We watch one channel in particular in, in our studio here. Mm. We've only got the one, well, we've got a couple of <laughs> yeah. TVs, but we, we have, have
6: all on. of them going in the newsroom. Just. Incredible.
4: So, are you a little sick and tired of seeing one motorcade shot after another after uh-huh. another? Imagine mm-hmm. the
6: expense. Oh, just of incredible! All of
4: this. I mean, I know it's important, and they do the you know the the padrantry thing well, a bit, a little like the UK, but hmm. in America, it's almost like it's. Putting, well, I suppose they do have to show China and others how powerful and strong they are. Mm.
6: Well, one of, one of the channels was a few minutes ago talking about the fashions. And I'm going, oh, oh come no. on. No. It's not a royal wedding. However, what they were saying is people have sort of downplayed, um, you know, turning up in a fashion plate. So they've been wearing American designers and trying to keep it a little bit low-key uh, as those things go. But just really... Wow. too much.
4: Um, let me guess. The Today Show, probably.
6: Uh, no, but close. No, close.
4: <laughs> wow, the
6: other mob. Boy, oh
4: boy. Oh, and,
6: well. and can I tell you, I don't know if Justin's mentioned this if I've got a minute. So my yeah. husband's been watching, you know, bits and pieces of movies on Netflix and he's sure. got a bit of a thing for Australian movies at the moment. Yeah. So he tuned into one and it started out with uh, yeah, and welcome to talk and sport, and uh, looking forward to the weekend and the weather. I don't go, and he woke me up to tell me this. I'm yeah. going, what? Anyway, Graham Hughes, mm-hmm. and they've obviously a bit of, of the the talk and sports show is at the start of this movie. So it starts out with the dump garbage collector picking up rubbish or whatever. Yeah. How how does that happen in the same building, and we didn't know about
4: it? Well, that's amazing. What's the uh, the, the name movie of the movie? Is called. Mm-hmm.
6: Oh, gosh. Broke. 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 And it's an Australian movie. Wow. And I, I, I looked at the sh- – I haven't seen it yet, mm-hmm. uh, but I looked at the uh, the, the shorts online okay. and it's basically about rugby league player who's um, having gambling and drinking problems yes. and that sort of thing. Yes. But how, how extraordinary –
4: Oh, good on you, Graham. That's great. Um, last time I checked, though, uh, talking sport wasn't on in the AM.
6: No, I know, I know. That's hey, what I was hey, thinking. I was thinking because they they what showed it was, Husey, was a little bit dark. So you know, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. But okay. anyway,
4: they may have been listening to one of their podcasts.
6: Well, I know, you know, they they probably should have had you on there. But anyway, uh, just well, saying. No,
4: no complaints. <laughs> no complaints. But uh, I'll be having a word with Graham when he gets in. Maybe we can call him. Call it. Let's call Huzi. <laughs> going to have a talk with graham after 8 30 about this but broke uh, he i wonder whether he knows he probably knows oh
6: he'd have to because i dare say it uh, he they set would it have up. Re- they would have recorded it specifically
4: good stuff you know, for the movie oh, how exciting though well it is well it's, it, i don't think
6: it's even necessarily a new movie but how no. does that happen and we didn't know about
4: oh, it oh well it is the best uh, radio sports show in the country and there you go, you can catch it 3 o'clock each and every day here on the Super Radio Network and stations around Australia. And we can catch you as well reading the news afterwards. Oh, after yes, night. I'll be there. You'll be here. there, here, there, everywhere. <laughs> Somewhere. Thank guys. Bye. You. All right, Marie, good morning. How are you?
18: Good morning, Marcus. You made the comment that when your roof's leaking, you heal it.
4: Yeah, or well, you fix it, yep.
18: That's right, and I think that this is what this country is all about. Some people, their rivers are not leaking with the floods and the fires; their rivers are gone. Mm. They're waiting. We've got homeless people in this country, and I think whether we like Scott Morrison or not, he's had had one. Hell of a deal as his time as Prime Minister with the floods, the fires, and the virus that nobody was expected to. And I don't think this is the time for either side to be squealing. It's a time for healing, as you rightly say.
4: Well, true. Uh, look, the only reason, again, that I, I bring up Scott Morrison about, you know, they're in government. Um, Marie, if, if the other mob were in government, I'd be having a crack at elbow or whoever was leading them. Three years for elderly Australians to wait for approved home care packages, Marie, is simply too long considering these people have paid taxes their entire lives. That's my opinion. But Marcus, when he's tried
18: to help people, when businesses have gone to the wall and he's giving people money and pensioners money and all sorts of things, the next cry on the other side you hear... Who's going to pay for it all? It's always the same. Mm. This is the time we let bygones be bygones. This is a country when the going gets tough, as your parents would tell you, Marcus. We stand together as one in this country. And I think Scott Morrison did what any prime minister would do with the American... Uh, pre- uh, Prime Min- uh, President to ask China to explain but they become demented over it and yeah, look
4: at the price but, we're paying. See, Marie, I did, Look, um, you know, I, I respect your opinion, absolutely, and you, you're allowed, and I allow you to share it on this program all the time and I know you stand, stand up for Australia, but see, I see a bit of an irony here. Um, why should Scott Morrison concern himself with whatever the hell's going on with China when we have older Australians waiting an exorbitant amount of time to get the care that they deserve. That's my concern. ScoMo, to be perfectly honest, should be focused on domestic policies rather than what the hell's going on in China because it's a battle that he'll lose. A good Prime Minister picks his battles. And I'm sorry, when it comes to China, he's well and truly out of his depth. (music) Hello, Matthew. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Well, thanks, buddy. What did you want to say? Uh, just listening
1: earlier to uh, the aged care shadow minister, and uh, I'm from a small country town in between Wagga and Canberra. Yeah, mate. And we've just had uh, our uh, retirement village shut down. Uh, they've basically told the community that they're closing on Tuesday with the shock decision. And it just proves, again, that the, uh, the National Party in this government, and especially the Deputy Prime Minister, Michael McCormack, have taken their eye off the ball when it comes to aged care. Absolutely. And he's had, to, he's had to fill in for Scott Morrison and he, he can't do two things at once and it's not good enough for our community.
4: No, it's not. Can you uh, tell me uh, what's the name of this uh, aged care centre so we can make some inquiries?
1: Yeah, it's called Southern Cross Aged Care.
4: And whereabouts is it, buddy?
1: It's in Hard Murrumburras, so for the twin towns. We're uh, located about uh, in between Wagga and Canberra.
4: OK. Uh, between Wagga and Canberra, Southern Cross Age Care, are there any other facilities around that the, the people who will have to leave this centre can go to?
1: Well, there's uh, shortages of places and other facilities and mm. some of these elderly residents have different levels of care that they Course. need, some have just gone into a nursing home and yes. some have dementia, so they could be pushed in, into that network and spread all over New South Wales into these mm. other facilities and yeah. it's not good enough uh, McCormick's made sure that uh, other facilities and not-for-profit facilities have received funding in the past. One at Tamora received $3.6 million in the middle of 2018, so yeah. there was a funding issue. Get in there and, and get some money into the aged
4: care. And Absolutely. Mate, I've got to go. Don't mean to cut you short because the news is coming, Matthew, but thank you very much for letting us know about that, and we'll do some follow-up. Yep. Welcome back to the program. Very soon we'll go to Canberra, Christina in the capital, and in just a moment, to Gareth Ward, who's the Minister for Families and Communities in New South Wales and also the Minister for Disability Services. He's got a few stats that will highlight that the, well, the work that the Berejiklian government is doing and has continued uh, to do during the pandemic alone. Uh, it comes after earlier this week, of course, we outlined uh, the... Well, the possibility unfortunately that we will see a rise in homelessness in New South Wales when things like job keeper ceases and also job seeker drops in value. So that's on the way with Gareth Ward very soon. meantime, some really nice words from one of my long term listeners, Kevin. President Joseph R. Biden made a truly uplifting inaugural speech just now calling for above all else unity. No nation, no matter how great or small, can survive with the hatred and anger that has been the American norm for the past four years. That the world is in trouble is doubtless. Only with a team effort, united, not divided, can we as a species survive the ravages of disease, anger, corruption, hatred and criminality that has beset this planet, and in particular the USA for the past four years. It starts with us as individuals and is closely followed by the media. We must stop the proliferation of lies, the fabrication of truth for profit over reality, and misdirection by the major media, and curtail the viciousness, cruelty and lies promoted by social media. Since the inception of these platforms, there's been more damage than good created by the lack of control of them than the little good they do to increase communication. It's a scourge the world's children will have to deal with. Our generation created it. Theirs is being crushed by it. Kevin goes on. I believe President Biden will do his best with the Herculean task ahead of him, repairing the damage of the past four years while fighting the global pandemic that is killing more Ameri- more of the American population than did World War II, with no end in sight as yet. For those of you who have not yet done so, I suggest reading President Biden's speech. It's exactly the speech America and the world needs from a real leader. Well, there we go. I really enjoyed that email. We might share it. uh, Scruff on our Facebook page this morning.
5: Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute.
3: Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au.
4: All right, 18 minutes away from nine, away from eight in Queensland. Earlier in the week, we spoke to the New South Wales Council of Social Service, who said, according to modelling commissioned by NCOS and other peak bodies, which models the impact of rising unemployment by June 2021, when JobKeeper has ceased and if JobSeeker returns to its previous rate... The sobering statistics point to more than 9,000 more people in New South Wales at risk of homelessness. That will be a rise of 24% in the homeless population. Some regions will see a 40.5% increase in homelessness. Minister for Families, Communities and Disability Services in New South Wales is Gareth Ward. He joins us on the program. Happy New Year to you, Gareth. Happy New Year to you too, my friend. Good to be with you. I hope you've kept well, and how are things down in sunny Kiyama land?
19: Well, I have to say uh, thank you to everybody who's um, popped down uh, throughout the holiday period. I know our businesses have really appreciated uh, the extra support because it hasn't just been COVID for us, as you know. Uh, bushfires, which seem like a distant memory, uh, were certainly quite profound in our part of the world. So yeah. uh, we've we've um, we've had fires, we've had floods, we've. Covid nineteen. Uh, we're just waiting for the locusts and uh, and the, the horsemen of the apocalypse. So it's been it's been a it's been a really rough time. But look, I, I know that a lot of people have come from Sydney to our region. Have, it's been up big, and, and I certainly know that uh, we really appreciate. That.
4: All right, mate. Are you concerned by the National Council of uh, Social Service? Sorry, the New South Wales Council of Social Social Service have come out and um, brought these figures uh, to the public. Um, Nine extra thousand homeless in New South Wales. That's what one of the worst uh, scenarios might be. A rise in child protection notifications during COVID-19 has highlighted the need for a stronger focus on mental health, family violence and housing and homelessness. Uh, This concerning new data is from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare and it shows that child protection notifications fell during COVID-19 lockdowns but then rose once they were lifted. And of course, um, worryingly, the post-lockdown rise was 9% higher in New South Wales compared to the same period back in 2019. As you know, we spoke to Joanna Quilty earlier in the week about this, but you're doing some work to try and alleviate what could be quite nasty, Gareth.
19: Well, firstly, I've got a wonderful working relationship with Joanna Quilty. I think she does a great job. I think Encos are a wonderful organisation and they really do highlight some of the things that are important for very, very vulnerable people. But Marcus with. We've just, um, well, we still are running what is the most successful uh, support and homelessness program uh, for people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness in the state's history. And just to put that into context, to get a home um, was a a scaling up of what we were already doing. But um, in the last uh, few months, so from the start of the pandemic, we've housed people who were sleeping under bridges on our streets, 800 people who were previously in um, uh, in uh, unstable accommodation or, or with yes. no accommodation. Yeah. But to put that into context, um, between 2017 and 2019, 750 people were housed. So this program has squeezed years of work into a matter of months. Now, how have we done that? Well, what we recognise is that that homelessness is the symptom of other issues. And people are not on the streets because they want to be. It's generally because of mental illness, drug and alcohol addiction, family violence or financial hardship. But if you want to break that cycle, it's not just about providing a roof. It's recognising that everyone's journey is different and wrapping services around people together with a roof. And and that's what Together Home does. And it is the most successful homelessness program that, that our state government has ever run.
4: Yeah, look, I uh, I'm walking through the city at the moment because I'm starting later, Gareth, and I have to say I I've, uh, I've seen disturbingly women in their late twenties and early thirties sleeping rough. There's a woman in particular not far from Wynyard Station who's there with a couple of pussy cats, and I think to myself, she looks able bodied. She looks like she could work. Uh, she lost a job. Uh, she tells me that uh, she tried to apply for job seeker job Se- uh, job keeper, she doesn't have access to the internet. all these sort of I don't want to use the word excuses but it's yeah. not just her. I, I see a number of younger people who seemingly seem to be in a spot of bother on our streets.
19: And you know because of this program that we uh, have started, th- there are few people living on our streets or under bridges or in cars. Yeah, good. Uh, but, if, if, but if you know people like that, and uh, I'd simply say this to all of your listeners, uh Link to home, 1-800-152-152. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Sorry,
4: mate. Just repeat that number again just a bit slowly. 1-800-152-152.
19: You You can call that number anytime and we'll find people um, temporary accommodation and start the process of engaging with them. Um, Now, Marcus, we have a a program called um, Assertive Outreach. Now, uh, when I started uh, this job, we had um, one Assertive Outreach location in the city of Sydney. But as you know, as a regional member of parliament, homelessness is not just an inner city issue. It's something that affects our whole state. And uh, we now have 53 locations where we're doing assertive outreach to provide that support, um, that care where our teams go onto our streets, they find people that are homeless and they get them a temporary accommodation and then get them a case worker to help them with that pathway back. Because so many of the, the stories like that young woman you met yeah. are unique to that individual. And unless mm. you can address those issues, people are going to still be on our streets, but there are less people there now because of programs like the ones we've run. Uh, And um, since the start of the pandemic, literally thousands of people have been supported through temporary accommodation measures. So those supports are there, but sometimes it's about getting to people like that person. And uh, if you know that number, you Mm -hmm. can provide that assistance um, and you can get that help.
4: So that number again one eight hundred one five two one five two. I mean, uh, Gareth, you and I have uh, spoken at length on this issue, and I'll, we'll continue to engage each other on it because I think it's above politics. Uh, and it 's very important that we try and house as many people as we can it 's important as well to get the message out there that there is help available for, available for people like this young woman that I met the other day and others um, it 's just it 's an awful cycle that some people have been through, and I guess it has been compounded by things like the covid nineteen pandemic there 's less work available. You add to that of course the closure and shutdowns because of borders being closed and uh, restrictions being placed on hospitality uh, industries across the board. It's, it's been very difficult.
19: Look, look, it has been really, really tough. Um, and look, I think our social services sector has worked incredibly hard. In fact, I think there are the unsung heroes of this this crisis, I know how hard our homelessness services and other support services for child protection have been working at this time. Uh, but rest assured we're, we're doing everything we can uh, to make sure that we provide as much support as we can. Uh, yeah. In fact, my interest is you know, Marcus, we've actually, our state is the first place in the world that signed up to a street-sleeping target called the Vanguard target. Yes. Um, cities have signed up to the Vanguard agreement, like London and New York, but mm-hmm. Gladys Berejiklian has actually signed our entire state up to this target. And can I just put homelessness into context? Because people often think of homelessness as, as the woman you met on the street that time. Yep. Homelessness is actually much bigger than that. Um, it's, it's people that are couch surfing, which you often can't see, particularly in regional areas, and also people that are living in dilapidated or unstable housing. So when you hear the big numbers around homelessness, you've got to try and categorise it. But the smallest group is actually the street sleepers, the rough sleepers, but they're the most complex. Uh, and that's why we need to make sure we provide those, those wraparounds that address the reasons why people are on our streets, and, and tragically, Marcus, women are the fastest-growing rate of people who are homeless, particularly older women. But um, you know, we're we're delivering more social and affordable housing than ever before. We have the largest social and affordable housing um, portfolio of any state. In fact, almost double that of Victoria. Um, is there more to do? Absolutely, uh, but we're up to the
4: challenge. Well, and I think you're the man to do it, Gareth. It's always good to have you on the program. You're well and truly across your portfolio, and I know you work damn hard at it. So. Good to have you on. Let's continue uh, engaging and have more conversations on this very important social issue. Uh, like I say, mate, it's above politics. And uh, congratulations uh, to, to those who I know are working hard. Are you a little concerned though, when you know ACOS and and other organisations talk about? domestic violence spiking during the pandemic uh, because of a range of issues. There's a lot of frustration, there's fear and there's anger out there. There's concern about, you know, where future checks are going to come from to pay things like mortgages and, and, and also, you know, feeding children, etc. Uh, what are we doing about that? Well, look,
19: I'm, I'm obviously concerned to hear the spike, but I'm pleased that organisations like Encross are raising these issues and standing up for vulnerable people. And I'm you know, coming back to your point about about bipartisanism, I think I think that's really important here that we work across the political divide because when it comes to someone who's homeless, when it comes to someone who's escaping domestic violence, Marcus, there, there isn't a liberal thing to do or a Labour thing to do. There's just a right thing to do. Uh, and since becoming the minister, we've we've um, we've worked hard to increase the number of women's refuges. We now have. Um, uh, the highest numbers of women's refugees we've ever had in our state. And I know that the Attorney-General, who's also our Minister for Domestic Violence, has worked really hard to secure additional funds and, and provide additional supports. And he's also made a series of changes to the law to, to support people who are escaping domestic violence. I've got a program called that Start Safely, Uh, and it has helped so many families. It's a private rental assistance product, but it's not just about helping people leave violent relationships or sever a lease, and we've changed the law in order to make that easier for for people who are escaping violent relationships to leave lease arrangements. Uh, But what it also does is provide those additional supports that people need to get their life back on track. Um, So there are people there that can assist to make sure that you need uh, that you get all the support you need to get your life back together. So, uh, sure, I'm concerned, but I, I think Incos do brilliant work. And as I said uh, at the, the top of the interview, Joe Cool, Jonah Coulty does a tremendous job, yep. and, and we work really closely together.
4: All right, just um, that uh, DV package you just mentioned. Now what was that called again?
19: Start safely. Um, Start so it's safely. a private yep. rental assistance mm-hmm. product. So, mm-hmm. uh, like Rent Choice, like Rent Choice, use uh, it. Um, assist people getting into the private rental market uh, but it also provides additional support to people who are fleeing violent relationships that that need support and getting their lives back on track. So uh, that's a program that's that's helped so many people across the state and I know that um, uh, at Christmas time we often see an uptick in domestic violence and also divorce because people are spending more time with one another and sometimes that results in unfortunate outcomes Uh, but certainly across the pandemic I've heard so many stories from our domestic violence workers is about um, how they've seen that uh, in a more profound way because of the circumstances around
4: sure. the pandemic. Good to chat as always, Gareth. We'll continue this very important conversation throughout 2021. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Marcus. All the best. Martin, thank you, mate.
0: The promise of America was born in the 18th century. I,
1: Richard Bill House, Nixon. I, John Gerald, Kennedy. who solemnly
0: I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. and will to the best of my ability. So help me God.
1: My fellow citizens. My fellow citizens. My fellow citizens. We will make
14: America great again. Donald James.
0: I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify. This is the time to heal America. We must end this uncivil war that pits red against blue. We can do this if we open our souls instead of hardening our hearts, if we show a little tolerance and
5: humility. Office of President of the United States, Office of President of the United States, and will, to the best of my ability, and will to the best of my ability, preserve, protect and defend preserve, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States Constitution
0: of the United States so now on this hallowed ground where just a few days ago violence sought to shake the Capitol's very foundation we come together as one nation under God indivisible to carry out the peaceful transfer of power please raise your right hand and repeat after me
20: I, Kamala Davy
21: Harris, solemnly swear.
12: That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United
0: States.
7: That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Against the
0: My whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people. A cry for racial justice, some 400 years in the making, moves us. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. cry for survival comes from the planet itself, a cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear. And now, a rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism, that we must confront and we will defeat. Congratulations,
5: Mr. You. President.
3: Marcus Paul, filling in for John Laws. Call 13 12 69.
4: All right, good morning. Welcome to Thursday, January 21, uh, 2021. And as you've heard, America has entered a new chapter with Joe Biden officially inaugurated as the 46th President of the United States of America. A smaller than usual coronavirus safe ceremony was held at the US Capitol with police and security as far as the eye could see. Kamala Harris has broken that glass ceiling by becoming the first female, first black and first Asian American to become vice president. And her husband will, of course, become the first second gentleman. Scott Morrison has finally congratulated Joe Biden on becoming president. Let's hope the new administration will be able to unite a country that is so deeply divided. OK, back home and here in New South Wales, Premier Gladys Berejiklian has spruked the idea of a Pacific travel bubble to be established within the year. Her calls come despite Chief Medical Officer Paul Kelly saying international travel rules would be one of the last things to change after a rollout of the vaccine. But Gladys Berejiklian says there's no reason why Australia couldn't open its borders to New Zealand and several Pacific nations where the virus is under control. There are calls for Australian students to be better educated on Australia's democratic processes and legal systems after this year's civics and citizenship tests returned less than satisfactory results. Have a listen to these details. Just 40% of Year 10 students, that's 14 to 15-year-olds, received a proficient result, which is down from 2010's high of 61%. In another question... 55% of Year 10 students couldn't identify a single democratic principle that exists in Australia today. I mean, for goodness sake, what are we doing? Why are we educating our children on this? If we don't, we'll have idiots running the country for the rest of our days. Anyway, a deal has been struck by the Prime Minister with East Coast liquefied natural gas exporters as part of his coronavirus recovery plan. The two-year deal will mean Australian companies will be offered uncontracted LNG first in the hopes it will lower costs for local manufacturers. Well, we'll hold you on that, ScoMo. Absolutely, we will, because Australians are sick to death of paying so much for gas when the countries we export it to pay so little. All right. The deal with the three Queensland LNG producers fell short of price controls. Manufacturers were hoping for formal price uh, arrangements, but producers strenuously opposed the idea. So we can talk about that. Now, while we're on the subject of the Prime Minister, on uh, Marcus Paul in the morning, you just go to 2SMSuperNetwork.com if you would like to comment on the story we've put up. Coal mining will continue to generate wealth for Australians for decades to come, according to Scott Morrison. He's declared in a new statement, fending off calls to phase out fossil fuels and toughen action on climate change. Now, the PM backed the industry during a visit to regional Queensland and said that he was willing to visit a coal mine, even though such a tour hasn't been on his schedule since since he became Prime Minister. Well... Is it just another photo opportunity for Scott Morrison? How good's my PPE? How good's coal? How good's Australia? Meantime, Scott, the wait lists continue to blow out for aged home care as more and more elderly Australians are dying while being on waiting lists. So how good's your priorities? ScoMo, that's the question I'd like to ask the Prime Minister today. I have no problem, of course, with securing wealth for our country. That's fine. I mean, Craig says to me, if you don't have industry generating income, Marcus, then you won't and can't pay for anything. Well said Scott Morrison. Well, I do agree to some extent. However, perception is everything. Not once, not once have I seen this man in an aged care facility. And in my opinion, that is wrong. It's a system that is in urgent need of fixing now. And the Prime Minister needs to get his priorities a little more in order. It's all very well, you know, doing unscheduled visits to mining developments. That's great. Wonderful. What about some unscheduled visits to aged care facilities? Get a, I don't know, first-hand view, Mr Prime Minister, on how poorly they're being administered in this country. The reason I bring this up today of course, is because a new report has been made public and we spoke this morning to the shadow aged care minister about this and the wait lists for home care in Australia are pathetic. New figures released today by the Productivity Commission show just how broken and wretched our aged care system is under this current government. Older Australians needing high-level home care, are now waiting more than two years for care that they've already been approved for. And some are waiting almost three years. The wait for older Australians to enter residential care is blown out by more than 200% under the Coalition Government to 148 days. These are shameful figures. Is it perhaps that the Morrison Government has completely failed older Australians? Well, the evidence is becoming more and more clear that it has. We've racked up a trillion dollars in debt, but waiting times for critical services for vulnerable older Australians just keep blowing out. In a wealthy country like Australia, no one, no one should have to wait more than two years for care that they need and, more importantly, have been approved for. It's the latest evidence, perhaps, of the government's aged care failures. Over the past three years leading up to mid-2020, more than 30,000 older Australians died while waiting for home care that had been approved. Listen to those figures. When we talk about COVID-19 and the importance of protecting people from COVID-19, we almost need to protect them from ourselves, our government's. Over the three years leading up to mid-2020, more than 30,000 older Australians have died waiting for home care that had been approved. 685 older Australians tragically died in aged care homes from COVID-19. The Aged Care Royal Commission's interim report detailed the crisis in aged care. The title was, very simply, one word, neglect. Neglect. It called for urgent action more than a year ago, but there are still, still, 100,000 older Australians waiting for home care. Day after day, month after month, evidence continues to mount of serious neglect in aged care. But all we seem to see from the Morrison government is excuses and smoke and mirrors. ScoMo needs to step up and accept responsibility and fix this mess. Neglects. Is that going to be the legacy of this government when it comes to aged care? Australians, particularly older Australians who've worked their whole damn lives to help build this country and set up our wealth and place us into a position where we can borrow money for JobKeeper and job seeker? older Australians damn well deserve a hell of a lot better. They say that record low interest rates have seen a spike in the number of first home buyers entering the market. Rates have been slashed since the beginning of the pandemic, but banks are expecting a small rise in foreclosures when the government's repayment holiday scheme ends in March. Look, in Sydney's western suburbs, there's been a revolting domestic violence incident that's seen a 60-year-old woman sustain critical head injuries after being allegedly bashed by a 26-year-old grub who police say is known to her after assaulting colleagues of the woman who tried to intervene. This bloke turned up to her workplace. The coward that he is then decided to flee on foot, but he was thankfully arrested a short time later. He'll face court today, and hopefully there's enough brief of evidence to keep this grub behind bars for quite some time. This woman is at risk of death critical in a hospital. Meanwhile, four people have been killed in an accidental explosion at a church in Madrid, Spanish police say it was likely the gas explosion. Repair works were being done on a gas boiler in the building. And a quick look at sport. In the cricket, the Big Bash League has set the copper battering. And this is something I want to get your thoughts on this morning as well. Officials opted to call what has been known as the Australia Day, Day, games, Australia Day games to the, you ready for it, quote unquote, January twenty six Games. Cricket Australia says it decided to make the name change after consulting Indigenous leaders in a bid to make the day more inclusive. OK. The decision's already attracted scathing criticism from, you know, the usual suspects, Senator Jackie Lambie, who says she's not sure what Cricket Australia think they're going to achieve, but she's sure it's not going to achieve anything about closing the gap. It's all about small steps in the right direction, perhaps, but I don't know, for goodness' sake. I hate, I really detest, when sport and politics start to mix. And this is just ridiculous. It's cricket at the moment in Australia. Look, we've had a wonderful test series. Well done to the Indians. It's wonderful. But Cricket Australia, you're in all sorts of trouble. You've done a ridiculous deal that doesn't see the one-day international games being aired on free-to-air. In other words, you have to subscribe to see it. That was your first mistake. I haven't got a clue what happened in the one-day cricket series this year because I refuse to pay for Australia's national sport. Cricket should be on free-to-air. All cricket should be on free-to-air. Anyway, and this certainly, in my mind, and probably a lot of my listeners' minds this morning, will not augur well. Cricket Australia wants to rename the Australia Day Games, which feature a whole swag of Big Bash teams, the January 26 games. I mean, you can be as woke as you like, but cricket is in trouble. And you want to appeal to everyday, ordinary Australians, the majority of Australians who want to support, watch and love the game of cricket. That's not the way to do it. Um, and just quickly, in relation to the Australian Open tennis, the hotel quarantine fiasco again heated up yesterday after the chief executive Craig Tilley said that the $40 million quarantine bill would be footed by Victorian taxpayers. Really? Wow, you could just imagine Victorians who've been through hell and high water with closures and border lockdowns, etc., hard lockdowns, etc. You could just imagine. How pleased they were to hear a bloke from one of the most elite sports in the world, one of the richest sports in the world, turn around and say, Well taxpayers will foot the bill. Yeah, BS they will. Look, he's since backed down from the suggestion, and he's now confirmed that Tennis Australia will pay the bill. Well of course they should pay the bill. I outlined just yesterday, I think it was, or maybe the day before, on exactly how much money is on offer for this elite sport and So it should be. It's a grand slam. I get all of that. I know how it works. You know, literally tens of millions, if not more, of dollars in prize money. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sure that tennis as a sport can afford the $40 million quarantine bill. After all, it was tennis as a sport that decided to go ahead with this during a pandemic. So they can pay the bill. And aside from that, there are rats in the ranks. Well, mice. Mice. Uh, There's a couple of players who've gone on social media. This time they're not complaining about the food or the lack of fresh air. They're now complaining about rats in their hotel rooms. And essentially they've been told to stop feeding the rats or the mice and stop encouraging them. Anyway, I mean, I wouldn't like a, a mouse or a rat in my hotel room. First thing I would do is rather than get on social media and make a, a fool of myself by complaining, I would probably call the hotel reception and say, can you send an exterminator up here or something, or put me in another room? But no, these players seem to want to continually make a spectacle and, uh, of themselves. And all they're doing, in my opinion, is coming across again as people who are very conceited, very self-aware uh, you know, aware and... Not at all concerned about the rest of Australia who are fighting a pandemic. Anyway, if you want to have your say on any of these stories, please give us a call. The telephone number 131269. If you want to send a text number to the Fortress, that number 0458-049-209. And of course, emails, mp in the morning at 2SM Supernetwork.com. <laughs>
3: Bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: Yeah, I was listening to your program, there. I <laughs> oh, yeah, mate, I haven't seen it physically.
4: No, I can't understand a word you're saying. Yeah, why, why can't you understand? Because of the way of... you're talking to me. Can you just slow down so we can understand what you're saying?
13: Right, do you reckon you'll understand this, Marcus?
4: No, I won't, because you're the reason a gene pool needs a lifeguard. We're bringing you all the news
3: and the views. Marcus, Paul in the morning. He's so
4: nasty, that Marcus. Hello, Joy, how are you?
22: Oh, well, thank you, mate. How are you? You're having a bit of a, a, a troublesome morning. No, um, no, I'm be having a good I morning. All I want to know is where are these massive waiting lists that you're talking about? Are they country or are they city?
4: Uh, it's base. a mix, Joy. It's a mix. They're Australia wide. Uh I don't mm. have a breakdown of exactly uh you know what mm. postcodes they are, but the report, I've seen it, I've got the detail here. Um Yeah. It's okay. I, why do you ask? Do you think it might be worse in country and regional areas or no,
22: well I think it's worse in the city actually. Okay. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, what I think it must be, if the numbers are so big, mm. um, and um, you know, um, that's okay. I, I, you know, it concerns me. I can't do the about um, I hope that I don't you know, get to that point. I'm looking forward to having a knee replacement on Monday, okay. and that's going to mean that I'm going to be back and I'm going to be starting to uh, be a little bit more helpful. I don't know, at the moment I'm having joy a, do you have a, a, do you autumn. have
4: care at the moment are you do you have home yes, care yes i
22: I'm, I'm on high care at the moment because of the surgery I need for my lego okay so I you're I one of the lucky work. ones
4: you're one of the lucky yeah. ones. Could you imagine well, if somebody was in your situation and they were on a waiting list for the care that you're receiving for yeah, nearly I'm three not, years the I
22: am amsympathetic yeah. to because I'm wondering whether it's city based or whether you know I haven't heard of any problems locally um but i- you know, I could be agreed to that, but I'll ask when one of my carers come what they know, yep um. Yes, and and so forth. I see look, it's a big area.
4: it's a big situation, and I'm I'm not uh-huh. I'm not saying that we can fix it in you know in a day or even probably a month. Probably six months uh-huh. is a good you know time yeah. frame in order to try and turn these figures around. They're just concerning, and I think it's above politics to be honest. And I get a little frustrated um, when I see the prime minister uh, making unscheduled visits to mining uh, communities and, you know, uh, donning on PPE and high-vis shirts for a photo opportunity down in shaft. I mean, how about dropping by in an unscheduled visit to a nursing home, speaking to elderly Australians about the problems they have accessing home care? Talk about the ridiculous amounts of assaults, sexual and physical assaults that are happening in aged care facilities around the country, ScoMo. You know, if you want to (laughs) do the right thing and... Connect with ordinary Australians. That's the direction I'd be heading in, Scott. Because again, all, all that's coming across to me and a lot of people that I hear from is that, you know, you're just after the photo op. You know, it looks great with the the chest hair popping out of the high vis shirt with the mining company on the breast. But how about you take a little bit of concern and and show Australians that you care about the elderly in this country you'll be all right mate you've got plenty of money coming your way once you step out of office there are a lot of people who are hurting out there and it's just not fair hello joe are you there joe are you there Right, ron good morning good morning how are you all right thank you ron now what do you want to talk about
23: uh, I was talking about the uh, with the
4: uh, aged care. Yes, mate. Off you go.
23: Uh, well, I'm on aged care, and I'm very grateful for it. Uh, but um, what, what we've, we're, we're finding over time, uh, the value of the aged care is uh, eroding uh, because of uh, things like uh, we used to get a regular uh, pay rise based on the percentage of people earning of their average wage, etc. But that uh, stopped them over nine, ten years ago, and uh, that's why they're getting uh, get behind it. And see, a lot of people pay up to eighty percent of their pension yep. on on uh, the, their care. And what what that used to do? What well, uh, the problem with that is the people that are some of them nursing homes they're in mm. uh, re- used to rely on a, on a rise uh, regularly to keep up with their. Um, conditions for the in the homes, or well, they don't get that now, so they're inclined to penny pinch a bit, and that's one of the problems they have with the conditions in nursing homes eroding. And like a thing, a little thing that uh, not a little thing, but I notice just regularly because I haven't been getting uh, people doing what they're supposed to do, and so when they do that, my my. Um, that money builds up, so I had a little nest egg of a yeah, couple. yeah, you know, a little nest egg. But in August, that's going to they're going to stop that. Uh, if you build it up, it'll come out, and you won't get it.
4: Well, that's the problem. Uh, and you you brought up the pension. Uh, unfortunately, for the first time in what three decades, late last year, I think it was September or October, for the first time there was no rise in the pension. God, I hope there's one in the coming months because elderly Australians deserve it. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. The telephone number, Leone. Good morning. Yes, good morning, Marcus. Hi there.
18: Yeah, John Laws often says, "Well, you've told me the problem. Now, what's the solution?" And there's quite a few disturbing problems I could talk about, and others have, like the U.S. elections, COVID restrictions. Well, the U.S.
4: elections not a problem, Leone. Let's let's leave that aside for now, but. Um, no,
18: I wasn't going to talk about that. Now it has come and gone.
4: All right, pick, and, pick something, so for goodness sake, pick something to talk about.
18: Well, I'll just tell you, and the silencing of free speech. But I can tell you the overall problem and the solution in just one minute. So the the problem is, as many good people are seeing, the issue is not just about right and left in politics, mm-hmm. but as a caller said on Talkback Radio recently, it's about good and evil, And the problem is well put in these following wise
4: words. Don't sermonise, please. Are you going to mention God? (laughs) Are you going Uh, to mention God? uh, Yeah, you are. No, not today, Leon. No, not today, please.
3: 2SM has Sydney talking.
4: Oh my goodness, John Laws, we're the survivors.
3: 2SM has Sydney talking. Filling in for John Laws, Marcus Paul. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Connect with us at 2smsupernetwork.com. Email us, check out our podcasts, and listen live. 2smsupernetwork.com. All
4: right, I see the Mayor of Warringah MPs, Ali Steggles' own electorate, has rebuked her calls. Uh, she called for this uh, yesterday on this program for a minute's silence on Australia Day steggle has been, as you know, calling uh, for this way of commemorating um, the Indigenous people who've died during English settlement, but it looks like our own electorate won't be able to do it that way. North Sydney Mayor Gilly Gibson has labelled it nothing short of a political stunt. Uh, back to the open line, 13 12 69, if you'd like to have you say. Joe, good morning, how are you? Hello.
11: Yes, Joe. How are you? Good, mate. Good, mate. I'd like to speak to you about the uh, decision of Cricket Australia to, uh, first of all, consult with the uh, Indigenous people to start with. Yep. Uh, Why would they want to do that?
4: Well, do we have um, an indigenous look? Uh, this is this may be beside the point, but do, how many? I wonder how many indigenous cricket players are playing professional cricket. Not that that matters. If you're going to consult with anybody, wouldn't you consult with indigenous indigenous cricketers first and foremost?
11: Well, that was another thing. Like, what's the percentage of indigenous Australians?
4: Yeah. Well, we know it's and a minority. What, the, yes.
11: Yeah. And I've played cricket. I'm in my seventies now, but I've played cricket all my life. Yep. Uh, I can remember playing with one Aboriginal bloke, who I bet a better bloke you never meet. But that's beside the point. Yeah, uh, well,
4: of course. Look, um, I don't know. The problem, I think, uh, Joe, is politics and sport mixing again. Cricket should not be a platform for people to, in my opinion. Yep. Be able to, you know, air their views. Just play the game,
11: for God's sake. Yeah. Well, to my knowledge, the last Aboriginal uh, Australian player was Jason Gillespie. Now, Jason Gillespie is about as black as a polar bear, but um, he's still... Yeah, it does have indigenous blood in him, but I, I can't recall any others. The um, only other one going way, way back was Graham Thomas. And that's yeah. going back a long time
4: ago. Look, I really don't think that has anything to do with it. A uh, Gilly Gillespie, uh, wonderful cricketer, great bloke as well. Uh, as are um, you know, ninety nine point nine nine percent of uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, as we know, in every. Uh, uh, kind of person, there's a, a, a rogue element, but I, I'm, again, I just want to get back to the point that why can't we just allow a game of cricket to go ahead without this political grandstanding on issues? I mean, it's that's so clearly, divisive. I agree
11: with that, but I, I disagree with you. 99.9% of Aboriginals being good people. I think you're about 98% out there, but um, that's Oh,
4: that's a bit rough. That's a bit rough. Alright, we'll leave it there. Thank you, mate. Appreciate the call. Uh, Neil says, Leone was bound to come down to her one and only trick, Jesus this and Jesus that. That would be the same. Jesus that was the mascot of a buffalo horn-wearing fringe lunatic and his pals who were hunting for blood in the halls of the US Congress. No thanks, Leone. Your Jesus is largely the problem, not the solution. All right, Neil. Ham's fighting words, I don't think you will get a Christmas card from Leone, but I tend to agree with you. Andrew, hello mate, how are you? Marcus, how are you this morning? Alright, thank you.
16: I was, um, I'm going to talk about Mr. Morrison in a sec, but I was a bit, your last caller, the 98% comment was a bit rough because there are some good Aboriginal or Indigenous Oh, absolutely
4: out there, there are. Yeah, it was a little yeah. rough and bordering on racist, but anyway. No, we gone. won't go there. Now, Scotty, Scotty
16: from marketing, as a lot of people call him, <laughs> I, this is the reason why he doesn't go to anything that might um, be, um, denigrate his position, like aged care. Um, like um, while the fires were burning, he was away. He always it is a photo shoot opportunity because he is a, he's a marketing prime minister.
4: Well, that's right. I mean, how good's my PPE? And look at this wonderful hard hat that I'm wearing. I've got an Australian mask on because I'm patriotic and all that. But in the meantime, I'll I'll wear a South 32 coal miners shirt because I'm one of you boys.
16: <clears throat> and this, the same reason that he he <laughs> said that he'll go he'll go to the football. And then we can lock the country down on Sunday afternoon after he'd been to the football. It's all about that opportunity to sit in front of a camera and to say, "Look at me, I'm one of the people." Yeah. But but why go and sit with a dying old person, or go and sit in someone's home who's uh, they've got no food, no care? He, he does, that's no good for his his actual persona. It's no good for his image. He <laughs> needs to be in positive positive environments, hmm. making money for the country and waving a flag.
4: I mean, I understand that to some extent, but that just means you're a one-trick pony and surely you're not going to um, ingratiate yourself by showing a lack of empathy. I think, you know, uh, again, we all cringed when, you know, during the bushfires, Scott finally came back and tried to force people down south to shake his hand. They didn't want to bar of him. Uh, I mean, that's, that, I think that's sad that our country got into a position where nobody... Uh, wanted to sh- shake the prime minister's hand. We had volunteer firefighters telling him to get effed, and I mean that's sad. That's a sad indictment of where we are as a, as a country.
16: It is one. One thing I will point out, though, is is in regard to the Commonwealth government having the um, their uh, running aged care is what they say. Or the federal government runs aged, runs aged care. The reason we have a lack of facilities and the reason we have a lack of nursing staff and nurse ratios for old people in nursing homes, as cynical as it sounds, take a look at the donations that come from those larger companies that run these nursing homes that are making money from running nursing homes. It's it's a wealth creation um, facility, every one of them. Those privately run ones make a fortune. Why would you put pressure on them to pay more people to work in those places and take profits away from his friends.
4: Yep, good point, mate. But,
16: All right, but they, they donate to the Liberal Party and the Labor Party, but <laughs> they donate to politicians.
4: Both <laughs> of course sides. they do. All right, great to hear from you. Thank you. Cheers. You have a good day. Andrew, uh, they're on the open line, 13 12 69. I want to thank Anthony. Anthony sent me through a a note. uh, And look, I've shown my ignorance this morning and I do apologise in relation to Aboriginal cricketers. There are a number of them, quite legendary uh, Aboriginal cricketers. Albert Henry, we can go back that far to 1901. Eddie Gilbert, Jack Marsh, Scott Boland, Johnny Cousins, Johnny Muller. Dan Christian, as we move closer to, uh, you know, the, the current day. Ashley Gardner, who's a brilliant player in the Women's Big Bash League. And, of course, Dizzy, Jason Gillespie. I mean, he was the first Aboriginal man to play cricket for Australia and is still the only Aboriginal man to play test cricket for Australia. He's a Camilleroy man. And he took, in 71 tests, 259 wickets at an average of 26.13. And bowled apart as, as a part of one of cricket's premier attacks. Famous for his long-flowing curly hair and for scoring an unbeaten 201 against Bangladesh. Dizzy has since become a sought-after and successful coach at the elite level. So there we go. And, of course, Faith Thomas. Not only the first Aboriginal cricketer to play for Australia, she's also the first Aboriginal woman to represent Australia in any sport. So again, my uh, my apologies. I just obviously was caught on the hop with that, but we've done a little bit of research. And thank you to Anthony for sending me through that link. All righty, give us a call, thirteen twelve sixty nine the telephone number. Aidan, Aiden is back for another round. All right, we'll get into that next.
3: 2SM, 1269 AM, 2SM Digital, and online at 2SMSuperNetwork.com.
4: Aiden, good morning, how are you? Good morning, Marcus, how are you, sir? Uh, All right, Aiden, don't call me sir. Sorry about that, just
9: uh, being a little bit formal, I was having a few conversations, sorry about that. No, that's all Um, right. I'm just calling you this morning because I was really interested in your last conversation, or not even conversation, your last bill of information. Yep. Getting to an incident last night in Castle Hill. That's right. Now, I completely agree you shouldn't hit women, um, but this isn't Nazi Germany. And last time I looked on the government website, you don't have to show your exemption um, because that that would sort of be like Nazi Germany when the the Gestapo were asking people oh, to show their papers. Oh, Aiden, Aiden, Aiden Don't it tell me you're a, Don't tell me you're not.
4: you're are you an anti masker? No, I'm not an anti masker. I'm just for people's freedoms. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear
9: one. If you want to wear a mask, wear
4: one. But it's, compo- okay, well, okay, let me put it to you this way. If you don't want to wear a mask, then get the bloody hell off public transport where you can possibly if- infect other people. It's not about... But Marcus, who's dying from it? I'll oh, don't even go there, mate. Who's dying from it? I can tell you. I can put you in contact with a number of people who've lost loved ones because of COVID-19, if you like. You know what? I've lost a grandfather. My best friend has lost a grandfather. And just
9: recently, another one of our friends has lost a grandfather. All three of them in their late 80s, none of them died from coronaviruses, all in hospitals. It came from... And what's
4: fish. that got to do with the price of fish?
9: No, I'm just saying, Marcus, it's time that one and one equals two, and this fact
4: is both <laughs> it's going. It's time up. that one and one equals two. One and one is always equal two.
9: Yeah, and I can't really
4: see the transparency with what's going on with the government. Oh. I've got
9: to say, if the police is doing what they're doing, what happened to those young ladies... Is going to happen more often because we will stand up. Well, it'll ha- right probably happen respect. more
4: often because there are dickheads like you out there, Aiden. That's I, why.
9: say that to me in a boxing ring, Mark. But you'd probably be a coward.
4: I beg your pardon. No. Yeah, what do you so, mean? You
9: want to say that to my face because I'm definitely not a coward, Mark. If I just don't follow the narrative of every day. Oh, of the every you don't day, follow
4: lady. the narrative, but you'd rather ring a, a public forum like this and spread misinformation and rubbish. It's not misinformation and the fact that you... Of course not- it's misinformation. The law states very clearly, Aiden, that if you want to take public transport, wear a mask. For God's sake, we're not asking you to buy a Nickelback album. But, but this is the problem, Marcus. You're a reporter. You're not a police official or a government official. Stop trying to enforce things that aren't laws. But it is law, you moron. What is hard to understand, Aiden? It is LAW law that right now, if you travel on public transport, you have to wear a mask. Look, Marcus, I'd strongly urge any
9: police officer to come and use that law against me, but I'd like to remind you it's not... Well,
4: they probably would, Aiden. if you hopped on public transport and there was a police officer there and you didn't put a mask on. Uh, well, they probably wouldn't. You know what would happen? You'd spend the what? night in jail like the 72-year-old bloke. No, I definitely wouldn't. No, uh, 100% you would, Aiden. I can guarantee you 100% you absolutely would. Now, if you like, I, I can put mates. you into contact with a couple of copper mates. Uh, I've got a couple of mates that are in the job. Would you like me to pass on your details to them? We've got your number here, Aiden. Maybe they can give you a call and have a chat That's to you what about what an absolute moron you are. Aiden. honestly, I'm sick to death of people like you. I've got a couple of couple of mates. You want me to get them to come around, have a visit to you and explain why you need to follow the law and why you, whoever the hell you are, are not exempt from following the law like everybody else in this state. If you don't like it, piss off somewhere else. All right, well, that was yesterday. Uh, let's see how the young fellow is today. Aiden. hello.
9: Hi, Marcus. How are you going? That was great. You got me to listen to the call from yesterday. That was beautiful. Yes, I especially liked the part where you were threatening me threatening me to give my phone number away to your police friends. That was beautiful you're still using the Kingsmen against natives, eh
4: the what against what sorry you're using Kingsmen
9: against native men in English so, so the police force used to be known as the Kingsmen, the Red coats, and then later on through history, they transitioned to a blue uniform so people didn't associate them with the royal. Or the, the royal families in um. I think you, I think
4: you have a problem with living in the past, Aidan. No, no, I just really like history. Like for example, well, so do I. But I don't bring it up in everyday conversation, uh, you know, because it has no real place in everyday conversation. You, you, you're not obviously. Are you seriously trying to compare the New South Wales police force with what Kinsmen? Come on, mate. Yeah, they
9: are. They are redcoats. If you look at it up, <laughs> if you look it up. That's why um, Ned Kelly went to war with them with the Bush Rangers because they all weren't right. policemen. They were the first gang in Australia. All but right, not, Ned. I don't want to talk about that. It's all right, Ned.
4: Let's move on, Ned. What do you want to okay. talk about?
9: All right, Marcus. It's just pretty much to inform a lot of your listeners.
4: For example,
9: you have, like the police in Australia, you had them all over the world, and they went out on ships to conquer and take over new land. And they did this in Africa, in the Americas, and in Australia. And for example, in Africa, 100 million native people were killed. Yep. In the Americas, 100 million natives were killed. Yep. In Australia, I don't know where the numbers come from, but on the government website, it's 1.25 million were here before the British, and some people say it was up to 50 million. But those people were, were executed, there was a genocide. So for Australians today to not recognise the genocide that was committed by the British Crown and people wearing that uniform that today is known as New South Wales Police, I think it's quite appalling. See, I was
4: was with you right up to the point where you tried to bring in and correlate New South Wales Police of today with something that happened more than 200 years ago. That's where you lose me and I suspect, Aidan, that's where you lose a lot of people with your logic.
9: Oh, look, it's not really New South Wales police. It's all the police force. All no, over the country no, left.
4: again, no. What's your, uh, what's your set against the police force? What's your set against authority in general for, Aiden,
9: Well, for example, Marcus, I look at the Northern Territory as a prime example where women, Aboriginal women, get yep. bashed by male police officers. And in no other culture are we taught that men handle women. But in the Australian culture, it's OK for a man... Who is masculine, physical, taught to be a soldier, to bash women. No, it's or, no where are you
4: back get back no, 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 no. Where are you getting that ridiculous information from? So you just made a very broad general statement that would have got the backs up of most Australian red blooded males who probably now want to come and knock your block off like I do, Aiden. How dare you make, how dare you make such a genuine how dare you make such a genuine general statement? that ma- men in Australia condone domestic violence against women simply because a couple of rogue cops in the Northern Territory might have beat up on an Aboriginal woman. I mean, that's the problem with you, Aiden. You go way too far. What about Peter Dudden? He became one of the greatest Australian
9: politicians,
4: and he used to... Well, there you go. You've lost me already. One of the greatest Australian politicians. Spare me. Um, that bloke gives me a headache just thinking about his face. Aidan, do you have many friends, Aiden? Aidan? Yeah, I actually do, Marcus. Have I've you got, got a girlfriend?
9: Have you got a girlfriend? I- I'm waiting to the age of thirty three for that, Marcus. I'd rather <laughs> wait... You're waiting rather till the age 30. of thirty three. Why? Because I'd rather educate myself on something that I know as well, the game. Well, the way
4: you're going, you'll be 99 if you want to educate yourself. The way you're going, Aiden, you'll be 99 before you get your first nookie. All right, Tony. Tony Bennett, not the singer. Uh, someone with far less class and far less intelligence. Another Tony Bennett regarding callers. It's Groundhog Day again. Hurry back, John. Tony. Well, Tony, the same people call John, Aiden, and the rest of them, uh, and I'm happy to talk to most of them, um, Groundhog Day again. It is, John, because you're wind, uh, Tony, because <laughs> you're having a whinge. Feels like Groundhog Day to me. We've got plenty of emails coming through. I'll get to them after the news. And give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind. 13 12, 69. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, back to callers, 131269, the telephone number. Um, Thank you for holding on there. Uh, Let's see. We'll go to Peter first. Hello, Pete. No, Pete didn't hold on. (laughs) Murphy's Law, Marcus. Steve, are you there? Hello, Steve. All right, we obviously haven't checked those phone calls, have we, boys? All right, it's not hard. All right, Gail, are you there, Gail? Good morning. Hi, Marcus. It's Gail from the Gold Coast. How are you? Well, thank you, Gail. What's on your mind, Dale?
21: Remember, you were in my political Facebook group, so I'm ringing up because you know my background. I'm a social scientist, university qualified, and I've studied politics, social welfare, etc. I wanted to talk to you because I've been listening to you all morning up here about the aged care situation. Yeah. Because there's something that no one is mentioning and the government is lying about.
2: What's that going
21: um, on? You know. I, I studied all this, as you know. Yeah. So um, my mother is in Sydney. She lives in Belrose. She's 87 and a half, and she's two-thirds of the way through Alzheimer's. And um, I actually had a heart attack two weeks ago because of the stress of trying to look after her from up here and the situation with aged care. So to cut a long story short, I looked for aged care up here for 12 months and finally found somewhere, put her in for two months, uh, respite and they kicked her out because she didn't have $550,000 to pay in fees. Oh. So, yeah, and I had oh. her unit oh. in her retirement village on the market um, in oh. Bellrose for 16 months. Yep. Um, and I have previous experience in real estate. And um, there were 22 other units for sale within her complex. I fa- finally sold it. Um, and it settled just before Christmas. Right. But I had to pay $180,000 to the retirement village in exit fees, plus legals, plus sales commission, plus advertising. It just goes on and on. So mum ended up with only 270000 So, of course, I can't afford to put her into aged care.
4: Unbelievable. So, so just repeat that. You you sold your mum's place at Belrose uh, because you wanted to relocate her. I understand all of yep. that. The exit yep. fees were how much again?
21: 37.5% of the sales gross figure. And this is across the board That's throughout robbery. Australia. That's robbery. This is a, yeah, this isn't, and I have to be careful because mum is back there. I need to just quickly explain. So I couldn't get her into aged care. So I brought her up here to the Gold Coast. The aged care facility kicked her out because she didn't have 550000 and they wanted her to go that day. I had to pack up her things and I had her with me for six weeks. I'm in a one-bedroom unit and I'm very unwell. I had her sleeping next to me for six weeks. I then drove her back home through all the bushfires back to Sydney because to their, um, uh, the, the retirement village offered mum one of their own units, which she is now renting,
2: right.
21: which includes meals, but it takes almost all of her pension. But throughout all of this over the last few years, I've been trying to get her home care. And this is why I'm actually ringing, because I've heard what other callers have said and the reports that you've been reading out. So um, I was lobbying Rich Colbeck's office in Canberra, Jonathan O'Day, the local state uh, member there um, in Mum's area, and um, I just couldn't get any home care for her. Um, I had her assessed at level four which is the highest level yep. for um, home care dementia. So she
4: should the be she should want, be at top uh, top of their list, Gail. Well, really. there,
21: there was about 28,000 people ahead of her. Yep. And the government is not telling Australians the real figures. It's much much worse than that. But what I wanted to point out because I don't want to hold you up is that when you do apply for aged care and you finally get it through my aged care, through the federal government, they give you a list of home care companies in the area. And I heard a previous elderly lady say she didn't know what was going on in her own area. I can tell you it's right across at least New South Wales and up here in Queensland. So they give you a list. I got a list on Mum's Legal Guardian and Power of Attorney. There were eight home care companies on it. And there was only one for that whole Northern Beaches area that provided Level 4. There were three companies that said they did, telling the government that they did, but the reality was when you ring them up, oh, no, we only provide Level 1 and 2. The other thing was that I was a councillor out in the outback. I won't say who I was working for, which charity, but I was counselling 500 suicidal drought farmers in both Queensland and New South Wales and was coming home on weekends. And very unprofessionally, I had to keep my personal mobile phone on because I was getting so many emails and phone calls from the um, home care company that I eventually went with because people weren't turning up or they were changing the times or the days. I had mum in me, crying, saying no one had turned up. So the reality is far worse in my experience as a counsellor, social worker, social scientist, qualified in all of this, it is just crap what the Liberal Party is saying. And you and I both know behind the scenes what I have been saying on my Facebook group, which I had to close down because I had this heart attack and surgery two weeks ago. You were
4: also being um, trolled uh, a lot, too, I noticed. Oh, and you were I copying was. a whole range of abuse quite simply because you were talking about these issues. And uh, look, I applaud you for uh, standing up for elderly Australians. I applaud you for for trying to uncover some of the truths that some of the mainstream media just seem to want to continually turn a a blind eye to, Gail. All the best with you, Mum. I do need to move on, sweetie. Let's talk again soon, though, OK? Thanks, Marcus. Take care. Bye. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Louise, good morning. How are you? Good morning.
24: Hello, Sorry, Louise. did you say Louise? Oh, hello. Hello. Oh, I'm just listening into your conversation with the last lady and I'd, I just wanted to yeah say good on her as well for yeah. advocating for elderly people. I I also work in the aged care sector and um, just know how hard it is for them even to negotiate. Some are tech savvy, of course, yep. but a lot of elderly people, the whole my age care system, unless they've got um, someone negotiating the technology, it is. It's hard to negotiate. Of course and it I'd is. I'd love to see people being able to just have real conversations which with someone who can help them navigate navigate the system and get the care that they they need. There's a program federally funded called S T R C stands for short term restorative care. Yep. And there'd be a heck of a lot of Australians over the age of sixty five who are eligible for that program who don't even know about it so i I just wanted to mention that program as well f t r c if they google it short term yep. restorative care um but the reason I actually rang at the start was i, I don't I don't know um Leonie, I don't know if she's got a history with the station, and that's why you, you cut her off so quickly. But I was actually interested in what she was going to say, Marcus.
4: Uh, look, I, look, I apologise. Uh, yes, uh, Leone does call regularly. Uh, she's usually one of the first to try and call through in the morning. Um, look, ultimately, every time Leone rings, there's some sort of mention of, uh, of a, uh, I don't know, a proverb or a psalm or something. And uh, look, personally, Uh, I think that sermonising is best left off a a format like this, a a radio program. If I want to listen to a sermon, I'll go to church on Sunday or I'll listen to a religious program. Um, That's all. That's all it is. Uh, I just think at the moment um, we need to talk about other in my opinion, my opinion only, more important issues. But look, so I apologise, I really do, um, but again, it's for those that are regular listeners to the John Laws Morning Show, I mean, I can go through a whole swag of emails I've got here in relation to, you know, people saying, thank you for cutting Leonie off, I couldn't have done with another sermon this morning, uh, and, and that sort of thing. It's not per- It's not personal. I just want to try and provide a program that uh, most uh, of the listeners want to hear, and I'm sorry, but some of the feedback we get is that sermonising on the air from the only is a bit of a turn-off. All right, thank you for the call. I really appreciate it, Louise. Have a wonderful day. Marcus, Paul in the morning, 13, 12, 69, if you would like to have your say. Look, I need to take a break. When I come back, uh, I just want to go to Canberra with uh, our political reporter, Christina Rosengren. Christina in the capital. She normally joins me on my breakfast show, but I thought we'd hear her today on the, uh, on the Laws show. Uh, Christina is a brilliant uh, journalist that we have working for us here at the Super Radio Network. She uh, does all of our political reports out of Canberra. So we'll talk to Christina in just a couple of moments. Look, as you know, I've been speaking extensively about the shortcomings of aged care here in our country. It's abysmal. There are reports of neglect, abuse and ballooning waiting lists for at-home care services. And an aged care facility in Western Australia is now under investigation after Cowan University students on work experience allegedly witnessed five offences take place. The facility in question is the Regis Aged Care in Perth's affluent western suburb of Nedlands. The students say they saw extremely rough handling of residents, staff being aggressive to elderly people, sexually inappropriate behaviour, and understaffing resulting in residents not being bathed. It's disgraceful. really is. And I bet you these residents pay a pretty bloody penny to stay there as well. One person reported seeing a 94-year-old wheelchair-bound person suffer skin lacerations after being dragged along the floor. And an 86-year-old who was found unconscious and suffering heat stroke after going missing. I can't believe the abysmal and undignified way some people treat the most vulnerable in our society, the ones who have made this country what it is today. But it is good to see that the younger generations, those university students who reported the alleged incidents, are waking up to this disgusting and cowardly form of abuse. So all power to them. And we are seeking to try and make a change. Three, two, one. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give
3: Marcus a call. 131269.
4: Yeah, back to your phone calls very soon. Christina Rosengren in the capital in a moment. But emails, plenty of them coming through. Please keep them on their way to us. MP in the morning at 2SMSuperNetwork.com. So here we go. Matt says it's already begun, Marcus. The new president has already handed over $2 trillion to the World Health Organization. Uh, For what benefits, nobody will ever know. Any wonder people get frustrated when sums of money like $2 trillion get handed over to someone to change the climate, but the real issues get lip service and continue to get worse. These political elites really have no clue. All right, Matt, thank you very much for that email. Uh, This one's come through as well from Glenn regarding the Big Bash League. G'day, Marcus. The BBL have already been political this season. As before every game, the teams have been taking a knee for the BLM Black Lives Matter movement. You've just mentioned Dan Christian and Scott Boland, who are current players with the Sydney Sixers and Hobart Hurricanes. They represented Australia in an Aboriginal cricket team who toured the UK in 2018, commemorating the original team who first went to the UK back in 1868. Ash Gardner led the women's team on the same tour. I read Cricket Australia are trying to get more Aboriginal players involved in the game, as their numbers have been few, especially when it comes to representative teams. It's a sport that's never been high in participation rates of Aboriginal people for whatever reason. I guess it's a start, but as you said, there's no place for politics in sport, and this decision to call the Australia Day Games January 26, in my opinion, is a joke. Whether it's a coincidence or not, Ben Dunk, who was playing with the Melbourne Stars, parted ways with the team halfway through the season. He was the first player who didn't take a knee. Great email. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, This one as well from Richard. I applaud you, Marcus. Thank you for taking uh, a talking rather about the problem associated with aged care. People might not realise, but in Victoria, there were over 680 residents who died in federally funded aged care facilities of COVID, yet people tend to blame Dan Andrews. As I said, the federal government is responsible for the funding and policy of these federal aged care facilities. The blame of this recent crisis in these facilities falls squarely on Prime Minister Morrison, Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt, and Minister for Aged Care Richard Colbeck, yet there seems to be no zero zilch accountability. Uh, this one uh, from D Davies. Marcus, looks like you have a John Laws Norman in Aidan. Keep up the great work. Great to have you on during Lawsy's time slot. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, Neil says Aiden's on the sniff. Aiden, the... Uh, what is he, a Greek keeper? Has been sniffing the fertiliser again. The modern Australian police force is unrelated to historical British soldiers. The poor boy is nuttier than squirrel shit. (laughs) Very good. And Ray. Ray, Ray, Ray. G'day, Marcus. Well, I'm still around. I haven't nicked off yet. You show your true character when you dismiss talk about God. Mr. Mr Laws shows dignity in that regard, something you lack... Your current rant about better care for elderly. I do hope that includes the right wing baby boomers who you dismiss. No, I don't dismiss right wing baby boomers. Ray and Ray says, hurry back, mister Laws. Regards Ray. Well Ray, you haven't got too long to wait, mate. He's back on february the first, okay? (laughs) meantime i'll just continue to relish in the fact that i'm annoying you now on
3: marcus paul in the morning i have always believed in miracles the latest from the capital with christina rosengrand
4: all right here she is christina good morning how are you Well, thank you, Marcus. How are you? Well, sweetheart, thank you for giving us your time this morning. The tourism and hospitality industries are now consulting with the federal government on a limited extension of JobKeeper. This is good news.
25: Yes, so there's new modelling which shows that uh, 318,000 jobs would be lost across tourism, transport and hospitality between April and September this year if JobKeeper ends as it currently is planned to at the end of March. And there's also data that shows... Uh, border clo- closures have cost tourism businesses as a whole nearly $7 billion in just five weeks. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really big figure. So with that in mind, uh, according to News Corp, the tourism industry is currently in con- consultations with the federal government to extend JobKeeper and then uh, hospitality is apparently speaking with Treasury, also asking for ongoing financial assistance. And that also follows that story we spoke about yesterday about HospoKeeper, which is a plan to basically uh, create a JobKeeper program specifically for hospitality. So that's been pitched yeah. to uh, Treasurer Josh Freidenberg. And now previously, Mr Frydenberg has rejected calls to extend wage subsidies and been quite firm about the fact that the government's already done quite a quite a bit for these businesses. But government backbencher Warren Ench is saying today that he is confident more support measures will be announced. And he says it makes sense for JobKeeper to not be indefinite, but that many local businesses will need help after March. So perhaps indicating some targeted support could be on the way.
4: All right, let's hope so. Uh, Look, I know it's not a bottomless pit, but boy, oh boy, we really need to do something. More than 30 countries, Christina, at a United Nations human rights session, have called on Australia to raise the age of criminal responsibility. Really?
25: Yes. So uh, last night, Australia was subjected to a hearing at the UN Human Rights Council, and this hearing is... Uh, about examining our human rights record. And that's just part of a periodic review which happens every five years. So our last review was in 2015. And uh, countries from around the world are basically just given the opportunity to put a number of questions to us about human rights issues. And what arose is one of the main areas of concern to nations is Australia's low age of criminal responsibility, which is currently at 10 years. So a child who is 10 years old can be held criminally responsible for their actions. And there were 31 countries who asked questions about this, and that includes uh, Canada and Germany and France and Greece and Poland and so on. And uh, so they were raising concerns that, that you know a 10-year-old is far too young to be locked up. And there were also these questions related to uh, Indigenous incarceration, and that's because roughly uh, 50%, 57% of those in youth detention in Australia between the yeah. ages of 10 to 17 are Indigenous, which is just massive when you think about the fact that uh, Indigenous Australians make up only 6% of young people in that Mm. age group. So those were the key areas of concerns at last night's hearing. Uh, Other issues that were raised included Australia's treatment of refugees and asylum seekers and also the use of uh, offshore detention centres. But certainly the issue of uh, youth incarceration was high on the list.
4: All right, by the way, if uh, any of these topics that Christina... In Canberra and I are talking about this morning uh, interest you and you'd like to put your uh, comments through, please give us a call, 13 12 that's the telephone number, or maybe you'd like to send us an email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Uh, finally, I just wanted to talk about this, Christina. The Productivity Commission has suggested the Commonwealth recover unpaid student loans from people who have what, died...
25: Yes, so uh, th- this is just one of a number of calls the Productivity Commission has made uh, that's following an annual review of government services. And uh, it suggested that there's poor value for money when it comes to vocational education and training, and the system has basically failed to meet key targets. So as a result, the Commission is suggesting a bit of a shake-up. In the Value for Money Department, uh, the Commission wants the government to change the rules on debt collection uh, so that unpaid loans from deceased students can be collected from their estates. So basically just treating student loan debts as the same as other debts. Mm. And the Commission says that this could help the government recruit $46 million over 10 years. And I'll just mention that Australian students currently owe uh, the Education Department $58 billion in unpaid loans. Uh, the Commission does say though that exceptions of course could be made in the case of small estates or extenuating circumstances. It's also just suggesting that there be a minimum upfront cost charged to students undertaking government funded courses at the Certificate 3 level or above and it uh, says that uh, this would address the perceptions apparently held by students that the government loans are are free money to study and it says that it would also encourage students to do their due diligence into the value of a course. So yeah. These are probably a couple of the more controversial suggestions put forward. Uh, there were also some proposals about the different rates of subsidy, which is uh, it says is confusing and ineffective. It also wants to uh, simplify that, and then it wants a bit more comp- competition between TAFE and private providers. Uh, so those were some other suggestions, but those first two I mentioned were certainly the ones uh, high on the list.
4: All right, mate. Good work this morning. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Christina Rosengren, who's our Super Network Canberra correspondent. Marcus Paul in the morning.
3: 2SM has Sydney talking.
4: Oh, my
23: goodness, John Lost, We're the survivors.
3: 2SM has Sydney talking. Broadcasting live from the Grant Goldman studio, you're listening to Marcus Paul.
4: Yeah, give me a call, 131269, the telephone
26: number. Are you there, James? Yes, yes, Marcus. Morning, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm excellent mate, I've got three things Yeah, go for it. tick them off really quick Because I know you're a busy man
4: You're okay, off you go please I can't wait to hear what you've got to say
26: Okay, first one Is about uh, People coming into Australia The other one is about Fruit pickers and bludgers And the other one's about Mr Morrison It's a list, the-
4: alright let's start Let's start with the Prime Minister shall we What did you want to say about Scott Morrison
26: Okay Scott Morrison's doing a wonderful job. He's going around the bush. He went there when it was drought, blah, 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 blah. Now we've had a bit of rain. He's out there, blah, blah, blah. Why doesn't he, when he goes there while it's wet, and have a look at the bloody floods, the cyclones that have come in, and look at the water, still going to waste. We're going to get another drought.
4: All right, yes, uh, that's a valid point. Well, somebody suggested this morning that it wouldn't fit the image and it doesn't make for a good
26: photo opportunity. Oh, well, that's fair enough.
4: <laughs> well, fair enough. I don't know. Anyway,
26: all right, so let's go to the fruit pickers. The fruit pickers, you get six semi-trailers. Yes. You put dongers on them. You've got accommodation in one lot. You've got your uh, ablution and uh, washing things on another semi, sure. you've got uh, you, your kitchen on another semi, you go to a central part in the fruit picking district yep. and they've got their accommodation because they cry about they've got no accommodation. You go out in the mine, you're in a donger, you've got everything in your donger. Yes. They could have sleeping quarters, eating quarters, place where they can wash their clothes the, the semis could be uncoupled, hooked up in the central area, and you've got those trucks to transport your I don't mind that idea. That's projects. Yeah,
4: that's quite a good idea, James. The problem mm-hmm. is... Uh, that, that one? Yeah, that's not bad. I, look, I don't mind it. Uh, you know, it needs to be... Uh, oh, i
26: worked on, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm no, doing, that's I, mean, good. I don't want to spend half an hour going through the details of how to do it. I like and, the
4: idea. I do. And the
26: other one is about these... People coming into this country and being accommodated in isolation hotels and blah, blah, blah around the yes, city. Yes, All the tourist ships, they're all parked up somewhere. God only knows where, over in the Caribbean or Italy or well, Rome a lot or of wherever them re- they park yeah, their ships. A lot of them return to their home ports, yes. Okay, get those ships, put one at Brisbane Port, one at Darwin Port, one in Melbourne, one in Sydney. yeah. You fly into the country, yeah. you're picked up from the airport in a bus, you're taken to the, the port, and you put on a ship. And that's where you're quarantined. The only problem with that,
4: though, uh, and thank you, James, for your contribution, the only problem with that is that, do you think anybody like Royal uh, Caribbean Cruisers and the others would even consider that for a moment? No, they wouldn't. Why not? Because nobody, I repeat, nobody will want to take... a cruise on a ship that has been set aside for COVID-19 recoveries. No one would want it. It would basically, in my opinion, render the ships unusable and certainly, you know, their businesses, I don't know, they might make a bit of money renting them out, if you like, to the government. But for that reason alone, I can't imagine that they would. But thank you, mate. Uh, Some great contributions there. Appreciate it. A few of the regular trolls are back on the Fortress text number. 0458 049 209. Here we go. Not in the mood for you today, you lefty wanker. But I'm not in the mood for Ray either. (laughs) I guess I'll have to stick. Well, that's okay. At least you're still sticking there. You've got no name there. The Rock. That's what you call yourself. The Rock. All right. Uh, This one as well. There we go. Again, Marcus Cricket Australia changing the name of the game to please the minority. Doing so is not going to repair any rift between Aboriginal Australians, Indigenous Australians and whites. Uh, this one from Martin. Good morning, Martin. Thanks for listening to us in Gilston. G'day, Marcus Whilst well, Treasurer Scomo, well, Scomo as treasurer, cut $1.7 billion from the aged care sector. That warped ideology fits the mantra, if you're wealthy enough, everything will be okay. Bugger the rest of us. Regards, Martin. Thank you, mate. And there are a stack more coming through, which I'll try and get through throughout the course of the program. But if you want to give us a call and let us know what's on your mind, 13 12 69. I mentioned Royal Caribbean cruise liners. Somebody who's been in the Caribbean. How do you say it? Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? What do you prefer saying? Anyway, Robbie Williams is quarantining in the Caribbean after testing positive for COVID-19. He's on holiday with his family. The 46-year-old had flown to St Bart's with his wife, Ada Field, and their four children. They've got four kids already. Gee, he's been busy. Anyway, the coronavirus diagnosis, of which Robbie will make a full recovery, he's been pretty crook, but he says he'll be OK. Poor dears. He's having to self-isolate and extend his sojourn in the $187,000-a-week villa that the family is stuck in. The poor loves, eh? The poor loves. Speaking of Robbie, let's have a little bit of music.
3: In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. We've got to be listening to you guys
8: for probably about a year, two years now. I really enjoy
3: the show. Marcus Paul in the morning. Brent Voltitude in the afternoon. Talk and sport with the boys. Talk tonight with Graham Gilbert. And in 2021, the king of radio, John Laws, will continue to keep the dream alive. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. 2SM 9am, 2SM Digital and online at 2SMSuperNetwork.com.
4: All right, welcome back. 131269, the telephone number. Uh, Byron is on the open line. G'day, Byron. G'day, Marcus. How's it going? Not bad, thank you. What's on your mind, mate? Okay, um,
8: this job keeper. Back in March, Qantas stood down a couple, uh, two and a half thousand pilots. Yes. nearly 20,000 flight attendants same with Virgin, they they all stood down, they didn't get JobKeeper because there was no job and uh, the whole thing's a disaster as far as I'm concerned. You've got all the ground staff as well.
4: Yeah, um, well ground staff in Qantas are now being outsourced, uh, which was a slap in the face to, to workers who were being paid JobKeeper uh, thinking and hoping that they'd have a job to go back to. Look, I know it's been difficult in aviation but There are a number of uh, businesses that have remained pretty profitable during the coronavirus, and some of them have taken JobKeeper, some have decided to pay back the millions of dollars, but others still keep that money and pay dividends to shareholders. That's not right. Yeah,
8: but the airlines in America, for example, all operating as
4: normal, same uh, in
8: most countries of Europe. They're just being more sensible about it. Just um, we seem to have locked ourselves away, and uh, I don't know when it's all going to end. This could go on and on and on. True. Very true. That's I don't
4: know, uh, Byron. It's Look, it, I agree and I understand that there is no bottomless pit of money, but there's never been a cheaper time to borrow money with interest rates as low as they are. I, I just want uh, the money accounted for uh, while we're in the, the habit, I guess, of borrowing excess money. Funds, and we are chasing some repayments of JobKeeper. How about we, I don't know, funnel that into aged care?
8: Yeah, but um, pilots and flight attendants
4: weren't getting JobKeeper
23: because uh, no, there was no, they
4: got to keep. No, well, some of them were the ones that they did keep on. And obviously, um, yeah, and but the ground crew and support staff within the airlines, they were paid JobKeeper. I don't have the exact figure here in front of me, but I'll, I'll have to go through my notes. But I know that Qantas did receive quite a bit of money in JobKeeper. And the airline also, as you know, has been propped up by taxpayers. Uh, Forever in a day You know A a couple of hundred million here A couple of hundred million there Um, Yeah But even
8: so uh, There's thousands and thousands of pilots And mm. uh, flight attendants doing it real tough Absolutely Nearly a year And uh, at, at some stage The government has to draw a line in the sand and say, enough of this largesse. Yes. It's sending us totally bankrupt eventually.
4: All right, mate. No, I agree. Um, like I say, I understand the, the, the difficulties. It's not a bottomless pit. And someone eventually will have to pay off the money. Probably my kids and my grandkids. 131269, the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say. Uh, texts 0458049209. Here we go again. Uh, Rockefeller, this is your last 30 seconds of fame, okay? And from now on, we're just going to delete your SMSs. And the 50 that you've sent so far this morning, I'll read one of them. I mean, imagine, imagine having all morning since I've been on air to sit on your mobile phone or whatever device you're using and, and text somebody. I mean, there are dozens of texts from this crackpot. You think you're funny. Well, you're not at all. Never have been and never will be. One more day, then we can get a real presenter back and you can go back to dribbling your Nickelback Uni nerd jokes to whoever wants to listen to it, Rockefeller. Well, at least um, you're getting creative, Rockefeller, but as I say, that's your last 30 seconds of fame. Bye. <laughs> Uh, Here we go. Um, Peanuts. If I wanted to listen to liberal bashing, I'd tune in to the ABC. Give everyone a break. At least Laws tries to hide his politics. He gives it to both sides if they deserve it. So do I. But anyway. By the way, before you call someone a redneck, learn what the term means. Being a brickie is the epitome of a redneck, says Robert. Right no, Robert. Dennis of Newcastle, while Aidan yesterday is wrong, trying to claim that COVID is a a conspiracy, it's not. He was trying to say that masks are compulsory on public transport in four areas, but that some people are exempt and that you don't need to show any medical note to the police. According to police, you need some way of proving it if you don't have a medical note. Look, I have no issue, obviously, with people who aren't masking up for medical reasons and i would have agreed with aiden and understood the point but the problem aiden is combative aiden is anti-establishment and he thinks that there's a big conspiracy going on by i don't know the third estate and You know, uh, all that sort of rubbish. And I think Aidan has no uh, respect for authority. And without authority, there'd be anarchy. At the end of the day, we do need to follow rules. And the rules and the laws are right at this moment. If you're on public transport in the greater Sydney area, up to the central coast or wherever it stops, you need to wear a mask unless you have an exemption. Of course, there's no point in arguing whether or not you need to show police, uh, you know, whatever exemption you have. Police use their discretion and using their discretionary powers normally mean they can i don't know they can spot a conspiracy nut job as quickly as anything and they can spot troublemakers and they can spot pains in the you know what and they deal with them appropriately now for aidan to ring and the other thing too for aidan to ring the program yesterday and to say there will be more people who are striking out against police we know the story this man in his 70s for god's sake who belted up a female police officer because you know she asked him to put on a mask aiden yesterday not that he justified it but he tried to say there'll be more of this sort of behavior while these laws are in place well i mean that's a ridiculous statement and it shows what little respect aiden has for law enforcement in new south wales
3: Just so sick of 2GB, just sick of ABC, or oh, trying to lecture me. I'm
8: just sick of SBS, and all the Murdoch press is such a bloody mess. So, who the hell is Marcus Paul?
3: What a bloody call, let's anybody call. They
4: call him up on 13 and he lets them say what they're thinking. Just call 1312629.
23: No.
3: 2SM has Sydney Talking.
23: Oh my goodness, John Lloyd, we're the survivors.
3: 2SM has Sydney Talking. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning.
8: The Bales Point Power Station, which Gladys sold in 2015 for a million dollars to a billionaire. <laughs> He's trying to do, do a deal. And and part of the agreement when Gladys sold it was to keep it going until 2029. Looks like that's going to fall
4: over. Yeah, there are a number of developers out there that, you know the old saying, uh, Kerry Packer once said, you only get one Alan Bond in your lifetime. Well, plenty of developers out there are saying, you only get one Veridicillian government in your lifetime.
3: We're bringing you all the news and of views. Marcus Paul
4: in the Morning. All right, 131269, Elizabeth, are you there? Yes,
27: hello, Marcus. Uh, I wanted to ask you if you were irritated when Joe Biden finished his speech with
4: God bless
27: America.
4: (laughs) Was I irritated by that? No, no, not at all.
27: Yeah, well, you see, uh, I actually was. i tell you why. Okay, why? Because, uh, first of all... We need to assert what, how we should be for God to superimpose the first principles, uh, the most important elements in world societies, good uh, food, therefore good weather, and health. Yeah. Now, yeah. With all those religions uh, at each other's, throat, because I watched the Dr. Phil show, and people are...
4: <laughs> oh, what a Dr. Who show?
27: Phil, Dr. Phil show, how people fight over religion, you know, Muslim, yeah. all, you know, Jewish, Muslim, Christian, right. Islam, Buddhism, all that sort of thing. People fight over it, and, uh, you know, if they talk about the one God, then they should, we should know uh, that what that one God expects from us to give those first and foremost important issues in life and everything else, you know, comes after. And uh, we don't have that. Therefore, where is the one God and uh, how he should bless people?
4: All right. Uh, well, I'll think about it.
27: <laughs> Thank you so much.
4: All right, Elizabeth. God. Speaking of Joe Biden,
0: this is America's day. This is democracy's day, a day of history and hope, of renewal and resolve through a crucible for the ages. America has been tested anew and America has risen to the challenge. Today, we celebrate the triumph not of a candidate, but of a cause, the cause of democracy, The people, the will of the people has been heard, and the will of the people has been heeded. We've learned again that democracy is precious, democracy is fragile. And at this hour, my friends, democracy has failed.
4: There we go. Um, Look, I don't have a problem with uh, anybody saying, God bless these United States. God, uh, God bless, I hope God blesses everybody, whichever God it is that you follow. All right, uh, David, good morning, mate. How are you? What did the snail say when it got on the tortoise's back? Oh, boy, oh, boy. What did the snail say when it got on the tortoise's back, David? Wee.
3: Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Connect with us at 2SMSuperNetwork.com. Email us, check out our podcasts and listen live. 2SMSuperNetwork.com.
4: 0458049209 if you would like to send us a text. G'day Marcus, did you happen to see the 7.30 report last night? It had a look at the amount of money the Australian taxpayers will truly be spending on those French submarines, apparently five plus billion dollars a sub, and there have been ten ordered. Other countries have similar for two billion dollars, but there's a nuclear but these are nuclear powered, not diesel as they were smart enough to understand that submarines rely on the stealth factor. Also, the price by the time they are delivered, sometime after 2030, the true cost, adding inflation and exchange rate, is expected to blow out to $90 billion. Thank you, Mark, on the Gold Coast, home of the State of Origin Shield. Ooh, did you need to add that last bit in? All right, mate, thank you. 131269. Well, we can thank uh, Christopher Pine for that. The fixer. He certainly fixed it. He fixed a big fat debt with a bunch of, I don't know, lead weights by the time we get them in 2030. <music> Apparently, uh, Christopher Pine has a podcast, and his first guest on one of his podcasts was Anthony Albanese. Odd, I thought. Anyway, wasn't a bad listen. Uh, just that you know, the whole submarine thing alone just makes me cringe every time I think of Christopher Pine. He was a great uh, political operator, no doubt. He was full of life and he was pretty good with the zingers. Very, very smart man, but. Um Unfortunately, Christopher, I think your legacy will be those duds that are these French submarines. Hello, Darren. How are you? No, Darren's gone. 13, 12, 69. Victoria, good morning. How are you? Ah, oh, Mr.
28: Paul, I'm very well. Wow. You've got to know you're standing on your own two feet. You may well be the last man standing, Mr. Paul.
4: Well, I don't know about that at all. I mean, that's not what I'm about. I'm just, I'm just doing a radio show, and I'm after reactions from people. I want to make people think, and uh, but I also want to be responsible. But let's talk about nursing home facilities. Uh, oh
28: Victoria? yes, please. I was in an independent nursing home for over twelve months, and I must say that I do believe the charity laws are so. Heavily favoured to make a matzah out of nursing homes. Mm, yeah. The charity laws need to be changed so they are not money making profit after profit after profit at the expense of the residents. $38.50 a week for food, and the boiled <laughs> potato was never cooked.
4: Mm. Never. Sorry, did you say 38? This is your personal experience. So, 38, or just say for for averages, $40 a week on food. Does that cover all three meals seven days a week? Uh,
28: Well, breakfast is an order that you get from Coles, Coles cereal, Coles. They did allow 12 eggs a week on the monthly breakfast order. Oh. Uh, 12 eggs a month on the monthly breakfast order full of
4: sugar and starch. You know what's really sad, Victoria? We feed our bloody prisoners better than we feed people in aged care facilities, and that is a very sad indictment.
28: Well, well, the charity laws are letting doctor companies, private companies, make dollar if, and over fifths.
4: All right, well, I need to look into that. I'm not quite sure it's the charity laws, but uh, look, I agree with your point in principle that nursing homes seem to be run for profit rather than benefiting its residents. And it should be, in my opinion, the other way around. Cover your costs. I don't know, regulate the thing. Do whatever it takes to ensure that older people have more than 40 bucks a week spent on them when it comes to food. God's sake. Cole, good morning. How are you, Cole? I'm very well indeed, thanks, Mark. Mark,
8: just a, a quick one yeah. on the responsibility to the Aboriginals in Australia. Yep. The responsibility lies at the English who raped and pillaged the earth. They are responsible, and I don't care who says what, the way they treated their own, the way Norfolk Island and their prisoners, they brought out this country, all English. There was an Australian amongst them.
4: Yep. Fair enough. No, I understand, and look, obviously, when it comes to settlement, we are talking about people who travelled here from England, uh, and they weren't a good bunch of people, let's be honest. And in India, and Africa, yes,
8: yes. and their own, Scotland,
4: Wales, yep.
8: uh, Ireland, look what they did, uh, they raped and pillaged their own country.
4: Yeah, but so did the Vikings. Aha, uh-huh, uh, but we're not talking about the Vikings. We are talking
8: about Australian aboriginals, and who is responsible. Well, who's res-
4: well, I know who's responsible, people who are long dead. And we need to try as best we can to move past it. I understand how difficult it is. But for God's sake, we need to somehow work our way through these issues. So each and every day in the lead up to each and every year, rather, in the lead up to Australia Day, We're not clogging up the airwaves and newspapers and television uh, with this constant argument, this constant bickering about who's to blame, who did what. Look, I think the history is pretty clear. Australia was colonised by the British. In order to do that, they unfortunately, and I'm not making light of it, of course, there was a, a genocide, there were atrocious massacres, and... The Indigenous people of this land were extremely hard done by. Unfortunately, that's what happens when there's settlements. I'm not making excuses for it, but I think we're going to have to reach a time, surely, as a country where we grow up a little bit about it, we look past it, surely. Uh, we've... Compensation has been made in a whole range of areas to deal with these issues. But unfortunately, it would appear that no matter how much money is spent, no matter what goodwill is shown, no matter how many indigenous, indigenous days we have, no matter how many commemorations we have, no matter how many celebrations we have, what acknowledgements to country we have, blah, 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 we just keep going around and around in the same circle.
3: Genuine talk on the radio. This is
4: Marcus Paul in the morning. The Joint Committee on Public Accounts and Audits lengthy inquiry into the controversial $220 million regional jobs and investment package and the $100 million community sport infrastructure program has called for sweeping changes to the administration of taxpayer grant schemes. Well, about bloody time, hey. Been going up hawk barrel, as all it simply is. It's been going on since Adam was a boy, and I think the general public are sick to the back teeth of it.
3: We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
4: All right. John Laws, the king of talk back, back for the year 2021 for his 70th year of broadcasting. And all of us can't wait for February the 1st, okay? No one comes close, including me, including Dean Mackin, including Brent, including even Ray Hadley. Whoa! Hello, Patricia. How are you? Are you well? This is uh, Norman. Hello. Yes, Patricia. Are you well?
20: <laughs> yes, I am. I, I didn't hear you. That's from okay, that.
4: sweetheart. What's on uh, your mind?
20: great show Thank i you. want to say history should be le- some of the history should be left behind uh, we know what it was my great great grandfather was convict he come out here in a prison ship and there was 120 dead on that ship he stood on botany bay in chains Twenty-three, torn away from his wife and baby. Boy, oh, boy. Yep. And we've got to accept that. That's history. Captain Cook was killed by the Maoris, put in a pot and cooked. And and (laughs) we don't go on about that because we leave it go. We can't change it. We can't change that history.
4: No, we can't.
20: And we should... All be one nation and get on together, and Australians. My, my convict um, grandparents
4: yeah.
20: had a terrible time.
4: I'm sure, they did.
20: And and so did a heaps thousands of them. Yep. And I can't understand why we're just hearing about Aborigines, so part Aborigines. Me too. Yes. But I don't go on about it. And I don't go on about my convict grandparents, great-grandparents, but it's a sad past. But we should rise above that and get on with Australia today.
4: I think so, Patricia. Really well said, and thank you very much for your call, okay? Thank you. You take care. Bye-bye. Debbie, hello. Hello. Hey, Deb, how are you? Oh, good. I can hardly hear you, Marcus. I don't want to shout at you, Deb. What did you want to say, Doug? That's all right. Um, Well, it's just
29: continuing on from the last caller that you had, really. Um, You know, that was, talking about 200 years ago, that was a cruel time in history. The world was cruel. you think about it, that was the time of the French Revolution. Of course it
8: was, yes.
29: And, you know, that's the way, not to say that it was good, but that's the way people behaved back then and you know it's history and you know who would you rather have had the the um the dutch or the french they were just as cruel yep. if not if not more cruel um and the last call about her uh, convict uh, great grandparents well you know um they were treated very cruelly but we don't harp on about it no. and it's just it's just a minority as usual a noisy minority Uh, They're they're protesting, but what are are they asking for?
11: Well,
4: I haven't quite worked it out yet. (laughs) Sometimes you feel that, and that was the point I was trying to make, in my editorial before the last break, um, sometimes you we kind of get the impression that nothing will ever be good enough, uh, and I'm for one, to be perfectly honest, I'm sick to death of being made to feel guilty. I accept and I acknowledge the past wrongs, and I applauded, and I you know I was very proud to be an Australian when Kevin Rudd stood and made an apology. I thought that might have been the end of it, but obviously not thirteen, twelve, sixty nine. Give me a call, let me know what's on your mind. Thank you for your call, Debbie, thirteen twelve sixty nine. 12 uh, Just a sick. All right, Marcus, how can you be liberal bashing when you're telling the truth, says Dennis? Can't your critics point out where you're incorrect? Let's hear from them telling you where you are telling lies. <laughs> they simply have no credibility. Dennis at Maitland. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate the support there. This one from Matt. G'day, Marcus. Why does Australia have to go before the UN and answer their questions? Isn't that allegiance to a foreign power? Didn't some of our politicians resign under a section of the Constitution because of citizenship issues which went against the Constitution? Fair dinkum, the United Nations are nothing but extortionists. <laughs> they make the mafia look like childcare operators. Ooh. I have to say, Max, you've won no fans with your phone call this morning to me. Max has no place at all to be regurgitating the crap and hoaxes around hydroxy whatever on air. He said talking about them is just another point of view, but that's rubbish. We didn't come down in the last shower. These people only mention it because they want to promote it with their zero training and experience in any related field. Regards, Neil. Well, look, Neil, it may well be down the track that's, you know, Oh, look, I'll say it, ivermectin, chloroquine, whatever. It may well be that they'll be used in the future, perhaps, to treat whatever. But right now they're not. And that's why I refuse to go into any detail at length about them on my programs and my broadcasts. Because I want to be responsible. I will follow the ACMA code that basically outlaws the broadcast. I mean, why do you think Craig Kelly is in so much spot of bother. Why do you think Labor are trying to jump down his throat? Because he's spreading all this conspiracy garbage all over social media at the moment. Where's the Prime Minister on this? Crickets. Nowhere. Nothing. Anyway, Samantha, Marcus, you get so many negative emails, I thought I'd send a positive one. I think you're one of the best announcers on radio. I agree with Almost all of your points of view, it's nice to hear such a sensible person on air and you have a great sense of humour. I always get a laugh listening to you keep on keeping on. Let the haters hate. My husband and I always look forward to your programme. Well, thank you, Samantha. That's really kind of you and I'm glad that uh, you enjoy it because, you know, (laughs) that's what I want to do. And I look, I love the haters. I love the fact that I can get a rise out of somebody. It simply means I'm doing my job. Anyway, enough of that. Darren, good morning, mate. How are you? Good morning, sir. How are you? All right, thanks, Darren. You want to talk about fruit pickers and farmers? Mate, yeah, fruit
30: pickers. Mate, I'm in Tully at the moment, yeah. North Queensland. There's a, a banana farmer up here at the moment. Yeah. He's screaming out for 30 workers and can't get any. People are telling him on the phone yeah. that because he's only paying the award weight, they can actually get more money on the government handouts than what they can pick
4: and through. And that's the problem, mate. Absolutely, Darren. I hear it each and every day. That's the so problem.
30: Un, un, until the government does something about, you know,
4: too many handouts,
30: or we'll, you know, yeah, but that, that's just what's going to happen. I until shouldn't... we can get backpackers back over again, I, I suppose. I mean, yeah, what do you do?
4: Well, that's right. Uh, that's a concern. Uh, and, look, he's probably paying the award rate because... You know, in, in these day these times, that's all it can afford. It's almost like, you you know, uh, these poor farmers that are growing all this produce. You know, it's almost like they have to think about other means of getting workers in. I don't know, paying people cash, whatever. I don't, I don't, certainly don't endorse that. I know it's illegal, etc. but it's difficult. It's very, very difficult. And governments should get out of the way and enable these, these people to get their produce picked.
14: That's right. I mean, there
30: was, I, I remember reading a story about an orange farm picker. Picked, yeah. Uh, farmer down there, he couldn't get um, uh, pickers to pick the oranges, and and he had to let them fall on the ground and bulldoze them in, in, into a pit and cover them up because he couldn't get anyone to pick the oranges.
4: I mean, that would break a farmer's heart anywhere around the country, wouldn't it?
30: That's exactly right, yeah. yeah. All
2: right,
4: guys. Anyway. Uh, so how's, you what's, he, what's he going to do, mate, with these bananas? He... Yeah, he's got no idea. He's got no idea. It's almost enough to send him bananas, I'm sure. And look, pun <laughs> intended, mate, and I wish you and him all the best. Okay, thank you for the call. Uh, thank you very much. Have a good day. You too, buddy. Bye-bye. 131269, the telephone number. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Uh, Frank, uh, thank you, Frank. Marcus, I wish to correct Patricia. She said that Captain Cook was killed by New Zealand Maoris. Sorry, that's wrong. Apparently, Cook was speared by Hawaiian natives. Ooh. Uh, was he cooked though, Frank? Come back to me, let me know um, I, I mean, I can look it up myself, Frank But um, was he really put in a pot And cooked? Ooh. Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12, The telephone number Back with more of your calls in just a couple of moments Just need a little musical Friday. break
3: Two SM has Sydney talking.
23: Oh my goodness, John Lawrence, we're the survivors. Two
3: SM has Sydney talking.
4: All right, thirteen twelve sixty nine. The telephone number. Tony, are you there? Hi, Marcus, I'm here. Hello, mate. What's on your mind, Tony? Yeah, <clears throat> you took a call from
28: a lady about half an hour ago. About half an hour ago, asking. Um, to talk about religion, and she asked, what does God want from us?
4: Mm.
28: Well, believe it or not, the answer is found in
4: the Bible. Yeah, can we not? Please? No. Thank you. Appreciate it. 13-12-69. A lot of people wanting Aidan the anti-masker back on the air. He decided to ring earlier today for round two. (laughs) Uh, By the way, we've got a podcast of it up on... uh, Marcus Paul in the morning. Just go to 2SMSuperNetwork.com and click on our show page to to hear it and have a look at the video. But I will play it to finish the show today. In the meantime, uh, I just wanted to let... uh, This is mostly for my Sydney listeners and Hunter listeners. Maybe you're after a new lounge. Well, you can spice up your home, your office or your showroom with the hottest-looking, most comfortable, new, custom-made lounge. Have a listen to this business name, Chili Pip. I like it, Chili Pip. You'll get a top-quality lounge, individually designed by Chili Pip to your specific requirements, and ready within three to four weeks of your order. At Chili Pip, you can choose from over 500 fabrics and leathers, and every lounge made in their Sydney factory comes with a 10-year warranty. Now, if you mentioned you heard it about heard about it here, well, Chili Pip. We'll throw in free fabric protection with your order, valued at over $300. Family owned and operated for over 20 years, Chilli Pips specialise in lounges, sofa beds, armchairs, bedheads and ottomans made by Australians for Australians. So if you want a comfy new lounge made in Sydney at a, a special direct from the factory wholesale price, check out the Chilli Pip website. While you're there, check out the testimonials for them as well. A lot of people saying some really nice things about Chilli Pip. Uh, ChiliPip.com.au, or you can call the friendly, helpful staff at Chilli Pip Lounge Designs, their number 1300 797 516. see how the young fellow is today. Aiden. hello.
9: Hi Marcus, how are you going? That was great. You got me to listen to the call from yesterday. That was beautiful. Yes. I especially liked the part where you were threatening me, threatening me to give my phone number away to your police friend. That was beautiful. You're still using the Kingsmen against natives, eh? The what against what, sorry? You're using Kingsmen against native men. In English? So, so the police force used to be known as the Kingsmen, the Redcoats. And then later on through history they transitioned to a blue uniform that people didn't associate them with the royal or the, the royal
4: families in um. I think you, I think you have a problem with living in the past, Aidan. No, no, I just really like history. Like for example, well, so do I, I to- but I don't bring it up in everyday conversation. Uh, you know because it has no real place in everyday conversation. You, you, you're not obviously are you seriously trying to compare the New South Wales police force with what Kinsmen? Come on, mate. Yeah,
9: they are they are redcoats. If you look it <laughs> up, if you look it up. That's why um, Ned Kelly went to war with them with the Bush Rangers because they all weren't right. policemen. They were the first gang in Australia. All but right, I, Ned. I don't want to talk about that. It's all right, Ned.
4: Opinion. Let's move on, Ned. What do you want to okay. talk about?
9: All right, Marcus. It's just pretty much to inform a lot of your listeners. For example, you have, like the police in Australia, you had them all over the world, and they went out on ships to conquer and take over new land. And they did this in Africa, in the Americas, and in Australia. And for example, in Africa, 100 million native people were killed. Yep. In the Americas, 100 million natives were killed. Yep. In Australia, I don't know where the numbers come from, but on the government website, it's 1.25 million were here before the British, and some people say it was up to 50 million. But those people were, were executed, there was a genocide. So for Australians today to not recognise the genocide that was committed by the British Crown and people wearing that uniform that today is known as New South Wales Police, I think it's quite appalling.
4: See, I was was with you right up to the point where you tried to bring in and correlate New South Wales Police of today with something that happened more than 200 years ago. That's where you lose me, and I suspect, Aidan, that's where you lose a lot of people with your logic.
9: Oh, look, it's not really New South Wales police. Though. It's all the police force. All no, no, like...
4: again, no. What's your uh, what set against the police for? What's your set against authority in general for, Aiden,
9: Well, for example, Marcus, I look at the Northern Territory as a prime example, where women, Aboriginal women, get yep. bathed by male police officers. And in no other culture are we taught that men handle women. But in the Australian culture, it's OK for a man... Who is masculine, physical, taught to be a soldier to bash women. No, it's no where no
4: you get no, 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 no. Where are you getting that ridiculous information from? So you just made a very broad general statement that would have got the backs up of most Australian red blooded males who probably now want to come and knock your block off like I do, Aiden. How dare you make how dare you make such a genuine how dare you make such a genuine general statement? that ma- men in Australia condone domestic violence against women simply because a couple of rogue cops in the Northern Territory might have beat up on an Aboriginal woman. I mean, that's the problem with you, Aiden. You go way too far. What about Peter Dudden?
9: He became one of the greatest Australian politicians, and he used
4: to... Well, there you go. You've lost me already. One of the greatest Australian politicians. Spare me. Um, that bloke gives me a headache just thinking about his face. Aidan, do you have many friends, Aiden? Aidan? Yeah, I actually do, Marcus. Have
9: I've you got, got a girlfriend? Have you got a girlfriend? I- I'm waiting to the age of 33 for that, Marcus. I'd rather wait. Leave- <laughs> you're waiting till the educate- age
4: of 33. Why? Because I'd rather
9: educate myself on something that I know. As well, the, game. the way
4: you're going, you'll be 99 if you want to educate yourself. The way you're going, Aiden, you'll be 99 before you get your first nookie.